Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. It is Tuesday and we live for Tuesdays. Hey everybody, welcome to the Wise Guys. Dave McCann and Brian Logan here with us tonight. I uh, Blaine's out of the country. He's out, out of the loop. <laughs> He's on the high seas somewhere, but uh, we're in awesome shape. We've got a great show. How's your week? It's been good. I have my boys with me. Most of the time they are in Missouri, so I have them for... Summer breaks, I have them for winter breaks. Any Sweet. type of school breaks I have all to myself, which is which is great. But it's it's the first week is... <laughs> we got to get used to them. You can see it, huh? You can see it <laughs> in, in my spirit. It's, it's, um, I, I love it. And uh, it's just, it's always that getting used to it, you know, um, focusing on somebody else other than myself. Yeah, there you go. And kids are masters at doing oh, that, yeah. right? Absolutely. So Wise Guys tonight is a, a respite and a pep rally for you to get back to the kids afterwards, but it's always great to have you here with us. And as we roll through the show tonight, let us know where you're watching or listening. Uh, We've been all over the world in the last few weeks. We had Panama, we had Singapore, we've had the Philippines, we've had South Jordan, Utah, and, uh, and on the East Coast as well. It's the greatest combination of BYU fans all over the world in our global live stream, Wise Guys, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Uh, Come join us tonight and tell your friends. Uh, And then what we really love you to do is follow us on YouTube. It's free. Uh, Hit the subscribe button. Click on the bell. You'll get notifications whenever we go live. And and that's a way to connect with us as we march closer to the Big 12. And then we got a lot at YSGuys.com. Kyle Van Noy just posted a thing today. Uh, Hello, Jonathan in Henderson, Nevada. Go Knights, go. We're hoping for Vegas to win the Cup tonight. But... uh, Kyle Van Noy is being inducted into the McQueen High School Hall of Fame. I saw that. Isn't that awesome? It's, it's, you know what? When I saw that, the first person I thought of was you. <laughs> and the conversation that we had a couple months ago um, about, you know, the interview and the conversation yeah. that you guys had. And I, I said, man, that's got to be so gratifying for him. Um, yeah, get into McQueen's Hall of Fame, and then you're knocking on the door of BYU's Hall of Fame. Right. That's the one he wants to get in. Yeah. Uh, and then when he signs with another NFL team and wins another Super Bowl, maybe the next <laughs> Hall of Fame will be the NFL. So congratulations to Kyle Van Noy. And as Brian was mentioning, all kinds of interviews are waiting for you at YSGuys.com. We got a lot going on tonight. BYU football, the passing game coordinator and receivers coach Fessy Sataki is here with us. A lot of interest leading up to this one. And we've been working a couple of months to get Fessy in here, and we are so excited to have him. He'll join us in a couple of moments. A lot of questions about these receivers that bring in a lot of optimism for the offense in the Big 12. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the biggest concern for me across every position going into the Big 12 is, is depth. Um, I've, I've always I've always said, you know, playing against Power 5 schools when I was in the Mountain West um, was always a battle. You know, I, I got most of my stats when I was playing against the, the Wyomings and the UNLVs <laughs> and the New Mexico States of the world. And you know, I was looking at the stats for um, – for uh, our our resident preacher back in in North Carolina, Dewey Gray, mm-hmm. 
All his big games were against New Mexico. See, see, three interceptions, touchdowns. It's the link between. It's the Lobos. Look, what look, is it about that? Look, I'm, look, I'm not. I think I'm just real. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> yeah. You, you have other players that will talk about their accolades, and I always say, well, who do you do? Who did you do that against? You know who? Like, yeah, was that against Miami or what, was it against what'd Muncie? You, what'd you do against Florida State? What'd you do against Utah? What you know these these best teams? So, hey, know, one of your best games against Oklahoma. Actually, that it really was. Yeah, that, so you that got that one. going for you. Um, but but going back to you know to, to, to the depth conversation, um, you know when you when you're playing against top tier talent week in and week out, you know you're gonna get gonna get banged up. Guys are gonna get bruised and. We all know that once the season starts, you're not going to be 100%. So you got to have guys that can rotate yeah. and get some fresh legs in. Well, that's what Fessy's been doing with the receivers room. So we're moments away from talking to him about that. Also, the question tonight, who do you think belongs in the top five BYU receivers of all time? We'll ask Fessy this. We got our suggestions. We'll roll out. Who should be number one? Who should be number five? Who should be number three? Yeah. You know, number three is always overlooked. But the top five BYU receivers of all time. And then what a... What a week down in Austin for track and field. Yeah. Um, won some championships, right? Yeah. It's- Kenneth Rooks, national champion. We'll roll out what and, – and the men's cross-country team got a big award today. So all of that's coming uh, on Wise Guys tonight. And uh, let's start with the Cougars, and let's start with Aiden Robbins. Getting some high praise before we even get to the Big 12 Media Days, which is yeah. next month, and then we get into the season, Phil Steele's tabbed the UNLV transfer as first-team All-Big 12 for the upcoming season. The only other first-team running back he's got on his list is Kansas junior Devin Neal. There's 14 teams in the Big 12, and he's got Aiden Robbins as one of the two top running backs in the conference. What does that bode for BYU? Man, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of hype. Um, I, th- I think it's good hype when you look at his production uh, that he that he had last season over a thousand yards. Again, you know, I, I, I hate to um, to bring this up, but it goes back to right what I was saying. Who who was he playing against, right? But but I think there's there's a but also who was he playing with? Th- so so I'll, I'll say I'll say it like this. You have to look at the the actual production numbers, right? Like the stats. Yeah. As well as the competition, because if you if you are playing against lesser opponents, I think you should have video game stats, right? You should, right. Your stats should be eye popping. They should stand out. I think that can correlate to well, if he played against um, you know higher quality opponents, you know maybe it will even out in regards to his talent and being able to really compete. So I don't I don't really have a concern with it. But I, but I, what I love the most is. You have a, a newcomer coming into the program and a, and a new program coming into the conference and getting high accolades at, at a really yeah. you know significant position. I, I, I can't wait for uh, Sam Houston and Southern Utah just to see him with BYU's line of scrimmage, the yeah. offensive line, to see what he can do at 6'3 and 230 pounds with two years of, of eligibility. Cam Meller from College Football Network ranks him as the fifth best running back in the Big 12, and number 28 nationally. Again, high props for for the young guy. And running backs, Coach Harvey Unger is going to be on the Wise Guys next week. We'll talk about this, Aiden Robbins. And uh, I, I saw a, a tweet from Robbins in response to first-team All-Big 12, and he said, save it for the end of the season. <laughs> and I thought I, that was cool. I love that. This I, is a guy like who's that. got his degree already, and he's sharp, understands, and just wants to play football, and and I think uh, I think he can be a leader for everyone else in that room. Yeah, I, I think it's it's 
it's easy for a lot of kids um, to get to this level and feel like that that they've I don't want to say arrived, but you know their, their goal is is to just get here and not get to the next level, or maybe there's no you know hard plan of action, and and so guys that always wake up each and every day with you know how can I get better, what can I do today to get better. Um, eventually, you, you get production like like he's had over the last year, and uh, you know you end up hitting your goals and and just that hungry. I want somebody to be hungry, right? To wake up every yeah. morning and and starve or every carry just <laughs> every, starve. Yeah. Hey, Stephen's exactly. watching uh, with us from Olympia, Washington, and looking forward to hearing from what from what Coach Sataki has to say about his receivers. That's coming up in just a moment. Enoch Watson is a quarterback out of Arizona that's committed to play at BYU. He's 6'3", 200. He's going to play for Ty Detmer and Max Hall this fall at American Leadership Academy in Arizona and then go on a church mission and uh, and be in Provo in 2026. His younger brother's on the team. Um, we'll see uh, what Enoch Watson's all about. We have to wait for him. Yeah. But uh, we're going to get the lowdown from Max and Ty because we talked to them all year long, and he's their quarterback uh, this fall. You know, it, it, was, a, it was a little bit... I don't want to say concerning. I thought it was. I thought it was weird, um, considering the type of offense that he ran. Um, you know, running a, running a triple option. I was like, "What? Are, why are we getting the kids like that?" But then, but then, but then, I saw, you know, he, that, that he's going to be playing for Max and and Ty. So I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, they'll they'll, 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 they'll get him. They'll, they'll get him right. Him up. They'll get him right. So Doctor we'll Ketch in Vegas watching us tonight. Thanks, Doctor Ketch. Keep us posted on the Golden Knights uh, earlier. Brian Clinton of Heartland College Sports rolled out his top 10 non-conference games in the Big 12, and he's got a BYU game in that mix. He goes with number 10, Oklahoma State at Arizona State on September 9th. Then Kansas State at Missouri, uh, September 16th. Iowa State at Iowa is his number 8 game. That's September 9th. All these are early games. And then number seven, it's a, it's a it's a good number. Maybe not for this ranking, but it's a good number. Just, that's your number. Uh, yeah, that's it, the number you are. Well, you know, it's, that's the number of the Lord. It's, it's a <laughs> number of completion. Uh, but BYU at Arkansas. It's also 16th. a big number in Vegas, from what I understand. <laughs> it is. Seven. It is. Um, so BYU at Arkansas, September sixteenth, five thirty Mountain on ESPN two. So that's his. That's his seventh best Big Twelve non conference game. Yeah. And there's some other ones. Number six, West Virginia at Penn State on September 2nd. West Virginia's picked at the bottom of the Big 12, but they're going to go to Penn State and a chance to make some noise. And then his number five is Pittsburgh at West Virginia on September 16th. And then there's some intriguing ones. The, the Utah at Baylor is, is really, really, really intriguing with me. Um, just, to, just to see how Utah... Um, you know, matches up with with this style of play with with Baylor. I mean, I, I, I think Utah defensively, you you know, is is physical. Um, we all know that Baylor wants to run, but I, I just I love to see both sides of the ball that that are physical. They want to win. You know, on the line of scrimmage. See how that plays out. It might be. It, may, it could be a boring game. Hey, if Cam Rising <laughs> isn't healthy, use her in trouble in in oh, Waco. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll see about that one. The third uh, biggest top. 10 non-conference game according to Heartland College Sports. Brian Clinton is um, Colorado at TCU on September 2nd. I have a feeling TCU is going to win that game by 50 points because Colorado got rid of their current team and they brought in a whole new team. I don't know if you can in four weeks become a team to take on a squad that just played for the college football national championship. They're, they're, that's, on the road. That's only intriguing because of Dion. Yeah. There's no, there's no other way to How about number two? It. 
Oregon at Texas Tech. I'm that's that's not really intriguing to me. Yeah, I don't, I don't really care about that one. Yeah. That's on September 9th. But the number one game, according to his list, is interesting, and that's Texas at Alabama on September 9th. Oh yeah, yeah. They yeah. played tight in Austin last year, but I have a feeling Alabama hammers them <laughs> in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> We'll see. But those are the top 10 non-conference games in the Big 12, which we look forward to. A couple of key dates before we get to Fessy Sataki. Uh, July 1st coming up, BYU joins the Big 12. We're going to have a big party. Live coverage on BYU TV from 3 to 5, Mountain Time. Belo, Blaine, David Nixon, myself, Spencer, Jerem, our whole gang will be there uh, covering it. Uh, that's in the uh, student athletic building practice fields. And then a couple hours later, Stadium of Fire over at the football stadium. Yep. After Stadium of Fire, the next time we have fireworks at the stadium, September 2 against Sam Houston. Big 12 Media Days, that's July 12th and 13th in Arlington. I'll be down there for that. And then we start getting our guys into NFL camps. Yeah, um, rookies start reporting. I think you know this is a time where, where things get real. You know, Right now, what they're going through is, is getting their feet wet. Um, They've all got mini camps going yeah, on right yeah. now. So Taysom's yeah. back with Jamal for the first time uh, working out in New Orleans this week. You know, I, I've seen a couple of, of tweets and some, some pictures from Jamal um, of them two. Always funny, always a character, but uh, it's, it's good to see those guys back on the same on the same team. Yeah, yeah. July 25th, after further review, kicks off its 10th season. That's six weeks from tonight. That's all. Six weeks from tonight. August 3rd, the Jets and Browns are the first NFL game, the Hall of Fame game. 50, what, uh, 58 days away, Zach Wilson. Uh, we don't know if Taki Taki's going to be out there with his knee on the man, but we believe Zach will be out there now that he's the backup quarterback. Yeah. We should see some Zach Wilson on NBC that night. And then, of course, the big one, September 2nd is the beginning. Sam Houston at BYU, 8.15 p.m. Mountain Time on FS. One. I thought I thought we were going to take that. Yeah, I did too. I thought Great. that would come our way. Yeah. But it's on Fox. So, hey, they paid the money. Is, is they it, get the game. I was thinking maybe it's because it's, it's the opener. That's what, it that's, could be. That, that could be. It why. could be. But it's it's uh, it's part of that bazillion dollars yeah. <laughs> they spent. But we'll have a two-hour pregame show and an hour postgame show. So we'll be busy on that night. I'm glad it's at eight fifteen. I don't know if Sataki likes if Fessy likes that or not. But eight fifteen that time of year. Yeah. I'm, you know, uh, those, those are hot days still. According to the data last year, um, you know, I think over the, the last couple of years. We play good at night. We do. We yeah. do play good at night. Mike from Beaumont, Texas on with us. Thanks, Mike. Good to have you here. Kansas moved up a game on their schedule. It's going to give BYU fans an opportunity to see the Jayhawks on September 8th against Illinois. It was on Saturday. They moved it to Friday night in, on ESPN2 in Lawrence, Kansas. BYU plays Kansas in the Big 12 opener September 23rd, also in Lawrence. So not only will we get to see Kansas, we'll get to see them at home and mm-hmm. get a kind of feel for that environment on a Friday night where we're not playing. So right. the, the evening's wide open, a chance to watch Kansas, who BYU will open the big time this, with. This brings back a good feeling. Um, you know, when I played in the Mountain West, we, we were always watching each other, obviously for, you know, competition-wise and, and, and game film, but... Also, just as a fan, right, to, to, to follow storylines, see where we're at yeah. in, in, in the races. And I think this gives, you know, brings that back to BYU fans. It's right? a whole different animal. It is. We never, it is. When we were watching the independent schedule, it wasn't. You I didn't know, care about nobody else. After maybe, we maybe got done saw. playing Notre Dame, we didn't care about Notre no, Dame no, or any of the others. Right. But now we're linked. Right. We're linked into all of these games. Uh, we might be linked into Mexico. Big 12 says it's exploring establishing a bowl game in Monterey starting in 2026. 
per the report by Brett McMurphy, this would be the first bowl game ever in Mexico. And the question is, would BYU have a home field advantage there? And I Googled it. Uh, there is an estimated 1.5 million members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints living in Mexico. There you go. Uh, they'll get to the game. No matter what. Look, I was, They might expect the other version of football, but when they get there and the Cougars come out, uh, I think that's a great idea to play a bowl game in Mexico. Look, I, I, tell, I tell family and friends back home, Mormons are everywhere. We're, at, we're everywhere. Um, and I, th- I think no matter what, we'll always have um, fans show up. In certain schools or, or certain programs where football isn't everything and there's not a lot of support um, fan base-wise, it's always a home game for us. Um, and uh, I, I think from a, from a recruiting standpoint, it's, it's good as well. Um, yeah. You know, you know, you know, a lot of a lot of kids growing up are, are playing soccer, but I've I've known I know I've known for our, our program to take some kids that that grow up playing soccer and can convert them to punters or, or kickers and <laughs> I think it's a good opportunity. Hey, the Dallas Cowboys have been playing in Mexico for years. It's usually a preseason game, and now the NFL plays games right. down there regularly. They love football and a chance for BYU perhaps to play in Mexico. Uh, shout out to Greg watching in Farmington. Thank you for being with us, Farmington, Utah. Uh, by the way, Kansas and Houston announced they're going to actually play basketball games in Mexico City in 2024. Men's and women's against each other. Uh, Houston against Kansas. And a, another sign that the Big 12 is expanding beyond the borders. They're looking for teams. Now they're looking for countries. <laughs> and and uh, Rhett Yormark is on the move. Let's bring in our star of the hour, Fessy Sataki. Um, he's been busy over the last several months building up the depth in BYU's receiver room. Uh, he's not only the receiver's coach, but also the passing game coordinator as the Cougars prepare for the Big 12. And it's our pleasure to welcome Fessy Sataki to the Wise Guys. Coach, thank you. Thanks for working your schedule so you can hang with us for a little bit. My pleasure. My pleasure. Wouldn't be, want to be anywhere else. Listen, what is it like being the other Sataki on the staff? Oh, it's good, man. I, it's a... Uh... Just get a hide in the shadows you know, of the main one. <laughs> when an angry fan calls in demanding Coach Sataki, does Kalani direct those calls to you or do you direct the calls to him? It depends on the tone. If it's, if it's coming to me, I direct it to him. If it's coming to him, he's, he's directing to me. But that's that's why we like going by first names as well with the players and, and yeah. fans. makes it easier. So it's, it's always been... I think the best feeling for me to, to play with my cousin, Joe, uh, when I was a, a sophomore, he was a, a freshman in our, in our junior college. And I was junior college. And I, I played at some historic venues and, and uh, against some historic teams. And still, that year was, was probably the most special because I had, you know, my family with me. So, you know, when, when it comes to, to you and Kalani, how, how can you describe, you know, that feeling of, of going to battle and going to war each and every day, week in and week out? You know with somebody that's close to you it's it's hard to describe but I, i'll say this when we're when we're at work it's it's you don't have time to think about that we're locked in and into yeah. our craft but um often and more recent you know I've, I've been doing it a lot where you just kind of take a step back and realize man this is a blessing like yeah. it's a blessing to to work with family and so many other great people um who, whom i've associated with but specifically with family there's there's nothing like it and it's one of the reasons i do not feel like i, I go to work at all every day what is the funniest interaction the two Satakis have had uh, on this staff. Ooh. That's a hard one. You put me on. We have so many. That's a, that, that's a hard one. Now you guys one. are laughing most of the time. <laughs> yeah. I do know that. Yeah. I would say just the first thing that comes to my head is because Pops, you know, Connie's right. dad is 
basically full-time staff member hanging around the office. <laughs> Most of our laughs are involved around him <laughs> and just contemplating on, or, you know, reflecting on the things, old memories and stuff he's currently doing. And so um, that, that's, that's been the most recent stuff that's been pretty funny. There, there's a bond uh, with you and Kalani, and uh, I, I think it was documented really well in the deep blue that the two of you did, that you, folks can see at byutv.org. Um, and, and the relationship is, is different than relatives. Um, and I want to talk about that for just a, just a moment. When, when his folks split and the mom left the picture, uh, he says in that deep blue, and, and I know because we know Kalani, that that was really hard on him and hard on the dad. And, and your dad brought them into your house. And now all of a sudden, two families have merged. And so you grew up as as brothers and then when your mom became sick and passed away Kalani had the opportunity to support you in a different kind of way and it makes a bond that I would like you to describe what is it like yeah so you know initially when there was a lot of questions about our, our relation you know when you look at it literally in the Tongan language there's no direct translation to the to the word cousin and so everyone just kind of goes by brothers and you right. grow up in same villages and so there's the cultural aspect of that and then there's the experiential one where we with our our circumstances you know with our mothers um from when kalani was born to when i was born my mom came down with a sickness and i was not able to to have the mom that yeah. um kalani had you know from my mom and so she was able to in a, a rough time during his life um be 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 the mother that he didn't have um, and it's really cool now with, with the perspective I have and where I'm at to look back and realize just this, the value of that. When we were growing up and we were super close and I was just hanging out, hanging around with Kalani and, you know, our other brother TJ here in Provo around BYU. Right. It was just like, eh, we're family, we're hanging around. I really didn't know the impact that she had on him. And then in reading her journals, you know, uh, later on in life, I, I see you know, what she's doing with Kalani and all of his siblings. And uh, it's just a really cool dynamic that's that's really um, just forged this this really strong connection. And so Kalani, you know, as, as mentioned in the Deep Blue, and those guys did a great job with that production, um, you can tell it was just part of his mission was to give me, um, you know, what my mother gave him. And he's, he's done that and has been um, unbelievable to me in my life, you know, so many blessings and um, have come from, from him yeah. and, and our relationship. And so I'm just one of the reasons it makes going to work and working with him so great, um, just because the impact he's had on my life. When you go back to, to when you were kids, at what point did you go, hey, it's kind of cool to have Kalani as my older brother? Yeah. I, well, I'm still trying to, <laughs> I'm still trying to answer. No, I, uh, I actually didn't know he wasn't my like actual blood right. brother until like, I don't know. I was, oh, like, you just figured he was? Yeah, I just figured he was. And I'm like, wait, why is everyone calling like Pops Pops? <laughs> and I have a, but this dad's daddy. And I'm like, this is weird. And the news was broken to me and I was like a mess, you know? <laughs> no, I have, no, so I just have four sisters. I don't have any brothers. And that's when he was like, ah, oh, we're brothers. This, this is not going to be an, an issue forever, you know, until we work together at BYU. And everyone's like, hey, you guys are brothers you guys are cousins and that that's a you want to it's a sensitive topic man get us angry so well uh Vaisika Hema is always telling it that he's a cousin of every yeah. right. everyone that has any Polynesian blood in yeah. him he, oh that's my cousin I'm like they, they can't be your cousin he goes we're all cousins but I just think that uh, that that relationship uh between the two of you never mind that you're on the same staff and 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 doing this BYU stuff it just seems to me like the two of you were very important to each other in your life long before you were going to be at BYU yeah i agree 100% um you want to i have a deep deep belief in that i know Kalani does as well um 
it's special. I'm super grateful because I know not everyone gets to, um, you know, enjoy a connection like that. Even if it's your biological brother, right. um, a friend, whatever it is, just having a relationship where you're just you're just locked in with someone is, is a special blessing. Fessy Sataki is on The Wise Guys. We're live tonight on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and wiseguys.com. So, um, you know, speaking of relationships, um, you you have a unique relationship with, with Coach Hill, you yeah. know, as, as well. And, and um, you know, something that I don't, I don't think, I don't know if I've, I've seen this because I haven't been around the, the, the program the last couple of years, um, but I went to spring ball for the first time in a while, and just saw how the, the defense was just different. Like the vibe, the energy, I mean, everybody was upbeat, everybody was flying around. I think the best word to say is, is urgency. It was a sense of urgency. And what, the first thing that I've seen, I haven't seen, was you getting mad. <laughs> you know, yelling at the referees. And I'm like, I'm with Brandon Bradley. I'm like, B, is he serious? And he's like, no, he's, yeah, this is him, man. It's like he's, he wants to win. He's a competitor. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I, I can't, I will always remember you yelling at a ref at, at practice, at, like, like it was a game. And, and so, um, you know, my, my question to you is, is, you know, with that unique relationship and, and going against this, this new defense, you know, compared to the last couple of years, how's that brought out that competitive, you know, edge and fire to you? Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, part of that is there. They're just as competitive on the other side. You know, I, I mean, Coach Hill, we had battles all the time. I was the last couple of years that we were state, I was able to, um, you know, as I was the coordinator, Coach Hill was the defensive coordinator. And so we had our, our battles in, uh, in practice all the time. And so I think that's just a natural trigger. I'm like, you know, even though I'm not fully coordinating, like you see him on the other side, it's like, all right, here we go, because he's ultra competitive. And Coach Hill is one of those unicorns in the profession where, you know, you have coaches that, you know, have a lot of strengths and they excel in one given area. And he really checks every single box. He's a great coach, a great teacher, a great motivator. Um, just just it's, it's awesome to, to be around him. What will BYU fans appreciate the most from Hill, from Jay? I, just how much he loves football. Um, you see it in the way he interacts with the players. You'll see it in the way fans will see it in the way they interact with him. Um, he's just he loves the game of football. He loves his craft and coaching. And um, I think we'll, we'll see that very soon here if you haven't already. So as, as the, the, the passing game coordinator, and, you know, you, you, you're working close with, with A-Rod as offense coordinator. But for fans that, that don't understand that role, um, give us a breakdown of, of, of what you do and, and your impact that you make you know, within the offense. We need to know who to give credit to. We, <laughs> I think we give it to just A-Rod automatically. It was like, hey, wait a second. Yeah. It's kind of like the, when the fan approaches the coach to talk. If the play's really good, it was a pass. <laughs> we'll just say that was from me. No, but, you know, it, it's, it varies every program. Like that title of passing in coordinator. There are some places it's literally just the title. Yeah. Um, I think this is just a credit to, to Coach Roderick. He is very, very inclusive. I've, we go back. Coach Roderick uh, recruited and signed me out of high school, and I played a, a year underneath him my freshman year before he left to Utah. So we have, uh, you know, we're, we're on that same frequency. and We, we have the same beliefs. Um, and same styles uh, offensively. And uh, he's, he's been awesome. He's given me full autonomy of the passing game. Um, gives me a lot of freedom on what to do. And so really it's kind of, as it relates to my role, it, it is as it is. I, I coordinate the passing game, and obviously everything stops at A-Rod, but I'll present everything to him. Um, so when you're game planning, like on Tuesday yeah. or Wednesday, um, and, and maybe Harvey's in there too from the running backs. I don't, I don't know what the room's like, but – but is it, uh, hey, look, you've studied their defenders, and these plays will work, and 
and you present them to to Aaron or how yeah. does that go? Yeah. So there's, I mean, uh, everything is, you know, it kind of goes in order. And so on Monday, we're just trying to get the base down game plan, first yeah. and second down and, and uh, just the overall concepts that we think will work. And I'll present that base down game uh, plan to A-Rod. Hey, these are the passes. These are the concepts I like. Here's what I see defensively from them. He obviously has his ideas and we, we collaborate and nail down what that passing game is going to look like. And um, like I said, he's he's awesome. Basically, we're, we're always on the same page. And then that happens happens throughout the day situationally we'll get to red zone and third down passing games the same thing here's what here's what here's what we see and um we just we just collaborate and nail down a plan in the game you got a headset on he's up in the booth with it are you guys talking there or is at that point the plans in place and because you're also coaching the receivers yeah exactly no it's open dialogue all the way through the game um in between drives halftime adjustments uh we have our own channel as well and so if there's you know a play something i see um and I, I tell him, and he's great. I don't remember a time where I'm like, hey, Rod, I think this is going to be really good, and, and he hasn't implemented it or call this play. And uh, He's just super open-minded. It's, it's one of the joys of, of working with him. As, as you look at college football and, and certain conferences, certain conferences have just a style of play or like this brand about them, right? And, you know, the, the Big 12, I, th- I think the perception is, you know, high scoring, um, you know, big plays, um, you know, long passes, um, and, and – and, you know, speedy guys on the outside from a from a receiving standpoint. Um, as you guys look into the Big Twelve, have you guys said, you know what? Let's try to you know make or change the offense or tweak the offense to fit that brand or that style of play offensively. Yeah, we. Um, so it's a good question. One thing uh, we've done consistently over the last three years since twenty twenty. Um, We've been top 10 in, in those statistics passing-wise that we think matter. Yards per pass, explosive plays, touch, red zone touchdowns. Um, and so those are the, the stats rather than just total yards. And, right. you know, yeah. those are the stats we go for. And so we think if we – and I know it hasn't been done in the Big 12, but if we can kind of carry that same um, consistency uh, against these teams in the Big 12, we, we, we like our chances of that. So. Shout out to Sam in Bakersfield, California. This is like Larry King Live. Everyone's just kind of East Houston, Forrest Gump, 12 Abel from East Houston tonight. He says, hey, when I attend the Houston game, who should I cheer for? Uh, If you... If you if you need us to help you answer that question, come on. <laughs> Plus, we don't even play Houston this year. I thought we were going to play Houston. Maybe he can come up for the Sam Houston game. Yeah, Sam That's Houston, exactly come on up. <laughs> when the Big 12 schedule, uh, not, not when the schedule... Uh, came out when you got word that we were going into the big 12 do you remember where you were um i don't i honestly don't so how did you find the how did you get the word uh usually just someone you have breaking news guys on every staff you know that love to hey this coach got fired you hear this job and who is the breaking news guy there's a lot of them there's a lot of them you know i'm not gonna drop names and embarrass anyone but uh, i could i could write you a whole list after this so yeah i I think it just went around somewhere in the offices and and what did um, you think Oh, it's just just super excited, man, and and uh, I can't imagine the people who've been here for a long time, especially at the administrative level. Um, just a lot of the the work that it took to to get there, and this is going into my sixth season, and I I uh, just myself have gained a great appreciation for. Uh, you know how we were able to navigate through this independence era, um, a lot of the good that came from it, and super grateful for the opportunity that lies ahead of us. So that was brewing back in September. Before we beat Utah, so two two years ago, so we had time for that. What about when the schedule came out here this last spring? The moment that was released, who did you look for? 
Uh, honestly, I didn't look for any. And it was just kind of that whole, you knew it was happening. And it, that's like when it became like really real. Yeah. You know, it's like you're, you're dating a girl for a while, but until you buy that ring or whatever it is, <laughs> like, like that's, where, that's what it was. And so I didn't have my eye on any specific team. It's just like, holy cow, there's a schedule in place and this is, this is getting real. I, I looked for ha- Texas. I, I just went right towards Texas. I don't know. I, I looked for Texas before I even looked to see we were hosting Oklahoma. But that's just because we'd beaten Texas before and yeah. we'd been down there and all that. But uh, what game I, did you I, look for? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Just because my, you know, I, I played my first game here, first Beating Division Oklahoma. One game. Yeah, first Division One football game I ever played was against Oklahoma. So he so was just, in the secondary taking on Sam Bradford yeah. back yeah. at Jerry Jones World when, when BYU beat him 14-13. Yeah. Is that yeah. Heisman year? Uh, no, the, the year prior he won the Heisman. 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 And so, he got he injured his shoulder yeah. in the Col- first half. Col- yeah, Kobe injured his shoulder, and he has literally has, he wasn't the same since. No, and even, the Sooners. Even, even playing in the NFL. The Sooners weren't the same. So then the schedule comes out and you look at it, and then you go back to look at it because now you're going to prepare for it. Still, did it all just look the same, or did anything start yeah. jumping? No, it looks the same. If you, I could not name every team we're playing this year, if I'm being real with you. Like, I, yeah. I just I know who our opening three games are. I, I, Kansas, I think, is our first right. um, Big 12 game. I know teams were playing. I don't know the order. I don't know. So I'm, I'm that boring coach that's just like, game one, Sam, Sam Houston, uh, bring it on. Let's See, go. that's an ultra focus because we're looking at all 12 trying to digest the whatever and um, – we're looking at but bowl that's game projections. We're, you know, we're 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 looking at bowl game projections. Yeah. We're, we're looking. We're I, I appreciate the focus. I, it's just bad memory, and you know, don't care. I just care about game it's one. But I'll take it as we're focus. saying it's a gift that you have. We're all over the place, and, and it's a gift that you have. Has Big Twelve membership helped you sell the program to the guys you're signing? Yeah, you can. It's early enough to just. I don't know the sell. I, I'd imagine it is, but. There's definitely a lot more interest, um, you know, in publicity. We're getting on the road with when kids see the Big 12 logo and coaches. There's a lot of people surprisingly that are like, oh, yeah, that's right. You guys are going into the Big yeah. 12. It's so easy for us as, as coaches, players, fans to know that that's happening. But I've been, in, I've been surprised at how many people are like, oh, yeah, that's right. You, you guys are going. And so it's been a great, great marketing for us on the road to just kind of wear that and remind everyone that it's going to be a big, big year think, for us. Do you think – Kids that were maybe on the fence with with BYU and somebody else, um, you know, hearing the announcement and knowing that BYU is going to the Big Twelve, you think that's helped maybe push them? Yeah, towards? Ab- absolutely. Because we we there's a lot of recruiting battles that we've gone to the very end with, and that's kind of been the deciding factors. Other coaches know the value of being you know in Power Five program and being in a conference, and so they use that you know those those things as as any coach would um in trying to win over a kid and so to to not have to worry about that anymore um i think those are the things that that are going to help us win some of these battles now, now something that you do have to worry because you know as, as, a, as a kid getting recruited and, and i understand the challenges with the honor code and whatnot um and so when 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 i first heard the announcement i was like yes we'll be able to get those kids that are overlooked maybe a little bit underdeveloped that we can develop and bring in and, and really compete you know talent wise but then the nil okay <laughs> <laughs> so so you know now that you don't have to worry about competing you know conference to conference or, or power five to power five um what's it like now with with the with the nil it is crazy i'm not gonna i'm not gonna deny that but i will say this having 
high academics, having the honor code, having those things that people look at as potential hurdles that we see as strengths, I throw NIL right in with that. Um, and, and I'm not saying that you just ignore it. We, we have to find a tactful way as a program institution to address it, um, to use it the right way. But I think it's still a filtering like mechanism for us to find mm. the kids that are really going to help us win games. And already we're like you look at the transfer portal this year, guys, we've gotten Keaton Slovis, Caleb Etienne. Like these yeah. are big time players that. You know, a lot of other people would say we wouldn't be able to get, but it wasn't about NIL for them. So they're out there. It's, it's going to be a challenge, but requires more work for us. But we've become kind of program as coaches to, to find these guys um, where that's not an issue. This is, this is really interesting to me because understanding that dynamic. So when I played, Bronco would always say, you know, or, or, or I would say just, you know, us as analysts and even coaches, we say he's a BYU guy. Yeah. And when you, when you think about that, if you know what that really means is, Honor code doesn't matter, right? Um, you know, the, the culture, anything negative that any any other program outside of BYU would say uh, to maybe, you know, uh, defer a kid away from BYU, that's that's what BYU looks for in a kid. Right. And and it, it's, it's putting a smile on my face now because I understand that dynamic, which is we, we, we kind of want kids to weed themselves out, yeah. you know, because we, we know there's a special type of kid that can make it here and can thrive here and can be developed and can be molded into, you know, a, a great player um, and make an impact on and off the field. I'll say this. We, even though it's been quick with the institution of NIL, um, of NIL, like, there's – we've already seen – we already have reference points of kids who have inquired about NIL to us when being recruited, and it's not looking good for them right now in mm-hmm. terms of just they're, they're looking to transfer again or they're not happy where they're at or they didn't get – like, whatever it is. And right. so it's – I, I actually, so far, it's been really nice for us to just weed out those guys and say, okay, of course this dude would appreciate NIL, but it's not what he's looking for. It's not the first thing on his mind. And so, right. um, you know, knock on wood, I think it's it's just another, you know, mechanism we can use in our filtering process. I wrote an article uh, a couple of weeks ago about um, the, the transfer portal and, and the NFL portal. Those are two different portals. And the NFL portal is the most preferred. Mm-hmm. And as this program has put guys in the NFL the last handful of years, especially at quarterback, at receiver, at offensive line, a linebacker, uh, that will trump the NIL enough for a kid to go, I'm going to BYU so I can go to the NFL. Not, I'm going to go to the BYU so I can make the most money and then maybe go to the NIL and the NIL route. I don't, I don't think it's BYU's placed out bid Oklahoma and Alabama and Texas because that's, 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 that's not who we are. However, BYU can sell access to the other portal yeah. And then all of a sudden, you can compete for that same kid. Yeah, I, we have a, a graphic um, that we, we use in recruiting that shows the current guys in, in the NFL right now and they're the total contract dollars. Mm. And that's a high number. Like, some people ride the wave of this is how many people we have in the NFL right yeah. now yeah. or who we, that we've put in the last 50 years. If you just look at right now actively in the NFL and add up all these contracts – it's a lot higher than a lot of these schools that we're going to be competing against and that we have been competing against. <laughs> that's, that's good. Yeah. That's, man, that gave me Hey, that gave Michael me Davis is going to make $35 million. This yeah, year. man. Well, well, so I always talk about this all the time, which is um, the, the stickiness, right, of, of, a, of a – and usually it's, it's BYU versus Utah because there's a time where, you know, a lot of Utah players were getting drafted – and us as, as BYU players, we weren't getting drafted, but we were making it to the league through free agency. 
and if you look down the line of our free agents like like Taysom, right? We were sticking longer than the guys that were getting drafted. And so I think I think that's telling um, in regards to really developing a player that's going you know, that's gonna have a career or put themselves in a position where they can have a long lasting career, regardless of, you know, where they get drafted. So I, but I never thought of that. Yeah. Right, of of showing the lifespan of, of the contract. Yeah, it's a great exercise for anyone who doubts the 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 the, the portal to the NFL. Um, I'm not going to – I know the number. I know the teams who were higher than them. Do your homework. It's public. Look up all the contracts yeah. and of the current players. Add that up and go ahead and do that with the rest, and, and I mm. think you'll be happy. I think Amazing. Fred I think Fred helps tip right. the scale. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Zach, Zach probably helps a little bit. Zach's helping Taysom. a little bit. Taysom's, Taysom's got a yeah. good yeah. yeah, Taysom's got – Jamal just started the three-year yep. 12 yep. million. Yep. Uh, and I'm not sure what the linemen are making, but um, Taysom's like a year into a four-year 40. Yeah. Forty million with a chance to make a little more. You know, a guy like like I said, who's a free agent that stuck around, sticking around. um, You know, Danny Sorensen, right? So just just the longevity of it, um, as well. You know, maybe he may not not have the big ones like Zach or um, you know some of those guys or Kyle Van Noy, right? But um, you know, I I think I think that carries I think that carries a lot of weight, man. You know, because for me, if I'm getting recruited to to see. You know, a, a number of, of different guys that are in from different, you know, kind of generations and in, in, in over a lifespan versus guys that have gotten drafted. But what are they doing in the NFL? And right? what's nice about that, that's become a bridge for us. Like, that's just not coincident that those contracts are there. Yeah. That's a result of what BYU can do for you. The Absolutely. NFL wants to keep these guys who understand, you know, maturity and structure and discipline. And that's just that's part of what the BYU experience gives you. It's not a knock. I don't take anything away from their talent and what they can do to stay on that roster. But but that's been a great, um, you know, you selling point for us because it's real. Like, when you're recruiting a kid, how far into the conversation do you go before you bring up uh, Puka Nakua and Dax Milne, uh, the two recent receivers that you've put into the league? It, it's a long ways down the way. And really? Most of the time it's when they bring it up. Yeah, I I, I try and, and maybe it's a bad um, recruiting strategy by me, but I try to avoid the, the bio, you know, who's who I've put in. And it's like, so that's a... Or who your program's put in. Or who our program's put in, yeah. which which I'm good with that. It highlights yeah. the institution. But that just happens way later down the road. I, I want it to happen organically. It's not what I have in my recruiting pitch saying, hey, you go right to that. Because I think you're, you're leading the kid away from, like, some of the things that really, really matter. You know, so, um, some of those, those early conversations you have to have. I don't want the focus to be taken away by going right to the NFL. And, and I'm assuming that the, those things that really matter will correlate to the Absolutely. NFL, right? Yeah. So, so what are, what are some of those, you know, initial, um, you know, conversations, conversations like for so for example, you know, something I thought was really um, different. <laughs> I almost said weird, weird. I said it, but different when when Bronco out of out of all the other coaches that I was getting recruited by, and only a few, you know, D one a lot were double A and, and D two, but he said, "Where do you see yourself in ten years?" Yeah, and I was like, the Pro Bowl, uh, <laughs> uh, marriage, but a you know on the porch with a white picket fence, and he had this huge smile on his face, and I didn't know this until a couple of years you know after I was done playing, but he was like, you're the first recruit that ever told me that, you know, and I was like, well, you know, just everybody's think everybody's thinking that they're gonna go to the NFL, right? And I'm like, well, you know, because I am five six, so I'm kind of re- realistic, but um. You know, so 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 with with your opening pitch, what what are some of those things that really matter that you know over time will correlate to the NFL? Yeah, I just I put so much um, value into 
um, how the kid how the kid interacts with his with his family members, his coach, just just really how they are as a person. Those those characteristics. So you're watching the room when you're in the living room. You're you're watching all that. Yeah, how how he's how he's interacting with his teammates on the field, or when, when, if I'm watching a workout. Like I love I love to see that stuff, and you know. I can see the guys were like look in the corner of their eye, and so they're they're kind of turning up the uh-huh. fake a little bit. Yeah, like yeah. I can I can sense that. Um, whether it's a gift or not, I like I I really do. I I trust my ability. I'm grateful to just kind of just kind of read someone a little bit. Um, so really, it's just kind of seeing how they how they interact with anyone around them, whether it's teammates, friends, teachers, girlfriend, whatever it is. Like that's literally the the that first impression. That's that's what I'm looking for. From there, it's just getting an understanding of their their work ethic, kind of the things. What what are the consistent points in their life? What are the things they do consistently for better or for worse? Um, and then from there, it's just kind of just let it happen naturally. You know, I was um, I was taught this when I was you know, courting my wife and thinking about marriage. Yeah. Um, my pastor said, you, you'll, you can, you can really know the heart of somebody, but you know, test this when, when deciding on a, on a significant other is how they treat somebody, uh, in the service industry. So like waitresses, you yeah. know, those type of jobs and how they are with those type of individuals, um, you know, will show you their, their true heart. So, you know, I, that, that struck a chord when you said, I want to see how they are with their family, you know, with their girlfriends or, or with their friends. And, and, you know, something that was interesting when you were going through this, um, I thought about Deion Sanders and his tweet that he had a couple of months ago where he said, I want certain positions to be brought up um, in certain environments. So, like, I, I want DBs to be raised by single mothers or defensive linemen be raised by and the internet went crazy right um and you know he had his his reasons for it well these type of kids coming from these type of environments tend to excel um better in these positions because of the 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 characteristics or the traits that you know they they ended up getting from those environments do you guys think of (laughs) recruiting that way or you know break it down um you know position based off of you know somebody's upcoming no I, i i wouldn't say we do it by position um but I, I mean, I think the exercise is the same. Like, where, where do, what, why are these kids made up the way that they are, and can they fit here because of that, um, or are they going to struggle? And I just think it's a, uh, you got to take that approach. And whether a certain position fits, you know, I, I disagree with some of that, but I understand in principle, you know, what what's being. Um, you know, talked about there. And so, yeah, we, we all have our own criteria individually that we look for as coaches, but just overall as an institution in, in recruiting to BYU, I think that's approach you have to take is, is what are the circumstances of this young man? Um, why is he the way he is? And, and uh, will he be a good fit here? Brandon from West Jordan, nice to have you with us tonight. BYU passing game coordinator and receivers coach Fessy Sataki is on the Wise Guys, played college football at Southern Utah, where he later became the receivers coach, and he's been working with the receivers ever since. And now let's get to what I know people are really excited to hear <laughs> from you about as we've we've promoted it for some time now. Um, let's talk about the receiver room. How much better do you feel about that room today as opposed to when we talked on the last day of spring practice. Yeah, I feel I feel I feel a lot better. You're always going to feel better as you as you add pieces to to the room that you think can have an impact. Um, I felt great about our our room um, before we added a couple transfers, but I feel even better now just because depth's always going to going to make you feel better. And I don't know who fits where exactly. We still have fall camp ahead of us yeah. and things work itself out. But I love the makeup of our room right now. 
let's run down some of the characters in the room and, uh, and just kind of give us an update and where you think they can go uh, in their development. Let's start with Keanu Hill, 6'4", 215. He's a junior now, 36 catches for 352 yards and seven touchdowns, three of those in the second quarter against Utah Tech in a spectacular display. Forecast what you want out of Keanu Hill. Keanu's, man, he's done a great job uh, to, to kind of keep it simple with him. Keanu's someone who's completely, I recruited him, but I wasn't sure what the end was going to look like. In fact, I even, I, I wasn't putting it out of the realm that he could be an outside linebacker mm. for us. You know? Really? He's got the genes, uh, you know, mom is tongue in, and he, uh, you could tell he was going to, mm-hmm. he's going to get big. Um, and I've had to manage his weight a little bit, man, the dude just fight. He loves football. He's one of the most competitive guys I've ever coached. And that's the very reason he's uh, been able to not only stay in the receiver group, but really excel. I think what fans are going to see is what they've, what they've already seen, but even at a higher level, just making big plays, bringing a, a personality and dynamic to the group of toughness and blocking downfield, making the big catches, um, you know, in big moments. Uh, he's done that, and I think he's going to continue to do that. When he walked by me uh, during the last scrimmage um, over at the practice facility, um, I just looked at him, and he walked by, and I thought, now that's a Big 12 body. <laughs> I mean, top to bottom, that's a Big 12 body. And I've talked to his dad, Lloyd. I've talked to Roy Williams, his uncle. Yeah. What a pedigree. I can't believe they even entertained the thought of him playing <laughs> linebacker. But what a pedigree for you to recruit from. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a blessing, and he's, he's lucky to have those guys. He uses them. He doesn't take it, take it for granted. And Keanu is a unbelievable young man, too. He's very selfless. Uh, he's... He's earned the right to be where he's at right now. And it doesn't mean he's had hard times and struggles, but uh, just grateful. I love the get kid. I'm grateful to coach him. Awesome. Let's talk about, um, I think, the guy that uh, I'm most high on. And, and you know, I, 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 he was on his, on his way to having a, a, a breakout year. I, w- I would still say he, he broke out compared to, uh, you know, what we thought he was going to bring or, or what he was going to be able to produce. But, but Cody Epps, um, talk about him and, and – you know how how relieved. I mean, I think that was probably the biggest, most saddest thing when it, when he went to the portal. I was like, this can't be this can't be happening. I mean, I felt like a little kid throwing a tantrum. But uh, talk about that experience and and the relief that you got when you know you found out he was coming back. Yeah, that's. I mean, look no further than that to explain the the portal <laughs> and how how it's been. Um, yeah. It's that hit home the message more than ever that the most important recruiting you have to do as coaches in this day and age is your own room. Mm. Um, and uh, so I, I'm relieved Cody's back. Um, you know, the lot of, lot of things went into that and I, out of respect for him, I'll keep the details out, but I'm just super grateful that he's here. He's a great leader. He's has such a high football IQ, not just for the position, but for the game of football. He loves film. Um, just, just very intellectual in, in in every way you can think of. Great ambassador for our program. We're lucky to have him. He's a great leader. I still can't believe he has three years left. Right. Um, it's crazy because it seems like he's been here for for, yeah. uh, for a while. He he tweeted out this week that he's been accepted to the MBA program at BYU, which is fantastic. And I know he got back. He worked through that that portal stuff in time to still get over to Europe with the business school. Yeah, and that was that was big for him. We saw him really explode against Notre Dame when all the other guys were hurt. Um, and then he got hurt himself, and I think it was Liberty. Yep. Um, and then that's the last we've seen of him. And he, he didn't compete in spring because of, a, uh, of healing up his shoulder. What's your forecast for him 
in the Big 12 this fall. He looks great. We're able to um, some summer or some NCAA rule changes. We're able to to see these guys a little bit um, in the summer. He looks he looks awesome. He's 100. percent He's ready to roll. Uh, looks like he's uh, he's back at it um, and like he never never got hurt. And so we're uh, looking forward to what he can do this year. Um, Chase Roberts, another guy that um, you know I, I wasn't aware these guys were you know. Talking to talking to me about him during our, our pregame and our postgame shows or whatnot, and um, we saw some flashes of, of of his greatness, right? Of what he could do and the potential. Um, and then, you know, obviously injuries injuries occurred. But where where do you see him? I, I guess you know what I'll take a step back and say this: with your rotation, um, I, I've always seen if you if you're in the the top two, right? Um, first first string, second string, to me, you're in, in the receiving core, you're a starter yeah. to me, right? Yeah. Is that how you operate yours as well? Yeah, my philosophy is kind of instead of a one-two, like I tier it. I tier And there's some years where my tier one guys who are going to get 90% of the reps have just been three. Mm. There's been years where it's four. There's been years where it's five. And this is going to be one of those years where it's, it's going to be around kind of five guys who I'm throwing all 95% of the plays and just going through them. And, and there's a lot of variables in, in who gets those reps and all that stuff. And so time will tell who that goes to. But, yeah, that, that, I, that's my philosophy. I kind of tear my guys. Okay. Now, I want to ask this, this next question as a football player, and I, I know you're going to give me an immediate answer, <laughs> but is Chase in your top five? Yeah, uh, other guys? yeah, like all those three guys who, who played last year and have proven their ability to, to contribute to the team and have an impact, absolutely. I'm not afraid to, to speak to those three who, who've already uh, contributed for us. What we saw from Chase in the Baylor game was phen- phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, really his first taste of Division One football. Um, but I thought what was interesting is, is he's, a, he's like a gazelle in the open field for yeah. the deep ball. Puka was spectacular in all that he does, but but Chase with his speed and his size is such a mismatch for a safety or a or a corner. I mean, he's six foot four and fast, two hundred ten pounds. What can he do in this league? Yeah, Chase has a really really bright future here, and he can play football for a long time. Um, you said it. Uh, he's got that perfect, that rare combination of size and not just speed, but like fluidity, mm-hmm. like wiggle. Like he's he when he closes cushion and and gives a little shake, like he he does it like a lot of your five nine five ten guys. That's a rare combo, and so he can play in the slot. You can give him a jet sweep. You can put him outside. Like a lot of those those ways you want to feature a wideout, you can do it with a guy with Chase, even though he's that big. Yeah. He's just a really good athlete. Those are the, the always the, the the worst guys for me to guard. Okay. So I, I I love guarding guys that were like Cody Epps that were a little bit shorter, five nine, five ten, because you know even though they were shifty and and, and speedy, um, their size I could, you didn't have to tackle a tree. Well, that but just from a, like body position as well, um, and and but but going against guys that were six four, six five, but that can move like that, yeah. it was it's just it's way harder to read. Um, because of their size, right? So it's harder to, to get a grasp on their on their hip if I'm looking if they're if I'm running with them with with a fade and I'm looking to see their outside hip if they're gonna you know break down and and, and you know do a comeback. Little things like that, right? It's harder to get a grasp when a guy is so fluid in and out of his break and and tall and has that body position. Um, so you know when I saw him against Bale, I kept looking back to them. I'm like, who is this? Yeah. Who who is this kid? Um, and so yeah, I'm ex- excited for him, and um, I'm, I'm excited for your other guys, the the, the newcomers that that you brought on. Um, talk to us a little bit about the additions um, that you have onto your, your roster and, and kind of where you see them. 
um, you know, making an impact. Yeah, start with Darius okay, Laster. Yeah, He's six yeah. three. Yeah, yeah. Darius Laster transferred from Eastern Michigan, uh, from Arizona. Played at Hamilton High School. He comes from a, a football pedigree yeah. as well. You know, in fact, his brother is playing corner at Kansas. Oh, oh, um, oh and nice. so. There's, okay. there's, a, there's a brother matchup there, potentially. Yep. His, his older brother. His dad was a DB, right? The yeah, NFL? Played, played 10 years in the NFL yeah. at safety, was a free agent, and, and uh, made, stuck around there for a while and, and had a great career. And then his older brother um, is a, on the roster. He's a receiver for the Bengals. Uh, oh, nice. As okay. well. And so he's, he's, he comes from a, a football family. And so really, really excited for him. He's got great length to him. He has huge hands. He's super fluid. Um, and he's just – he has – experience you know game you know big big game experience um so i've been really happy with him i think he's going to be a great addition to us um so he comes from eastern michigan uh but he's a pro guy guys that have watched him run routes have said you know we never know until you get him out on the field and all of a sudden you're like okay he runs around a little differently than than some of the others how do you get this kid from eastern michigan to come invest in byu in provo yeah, it's 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 the process. You know, when you ha- when you have someone who comes from that type of football pedigree, you have he has a lot of reference points of like yeah. who knows what to look for, the things that really really matter. And so initially, the first thing I did was talk to his brother, who's at the Bengals. Was was talk to you know his mom, obviously, who's who's um, the rock in his life right now, and uh, just just get a feel of of what exactly it is they're looking for. Um, to confirm if it matches what Darius said he's looking for, and, and it did. And when they when they look at are looking for a place that has a great culture and wants to win and play high level football and prove himself on a high stage, like when we check all those boxes, you know that's a clear sign for us. Like let's go after that kid. And when he got here, he loved it. He checked all the boxes. We had a lot of players who were great. Um, I always tell these 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 young men who are recruiting, coaches are really good at. Um, giving you all the good, selling you. Mm-hmm. When you really want to know what, what the makeup of a program is, ask the players yeah. within yeah. that program. And even if they try and lie, you'll be able to – they're not as good of liars as coaches. <laughs> not everyone will lie. <laughs> yeah. Someone will come yeah. through. Exactly. So they, they were all great with him. So what do you expect from him in your offense? Yeah, to come in. I don't dip into the portal. I won't dip into the portal at all as long as I'm a receiver coach here unless it's someone I think can, can, can have an impact and do some great things here. They're still they're – still, um, you know, practices that, that have to take place. Sure, um, but I, there's no question I have high hopes for Darius and I'm um, expecting to have an impact, um, you know, on our, on our offense this season. So, so when, it, when it comes to the – so two things when it comes to the portal. Um, I mean, it's, it sounds like and – and I know this is the case, you know, or it should be the case when it comes to the portal is when, you, when schools are, are going in, they're thinking, I need uh, to, you know, fulfill a need right now, right? Yeah. So I'm looking for somebody that can I can – uh, put on the field and he can make an impact versus putting somebody into the program and kind of developing them. That's that's the first thing. The second thing is how different is the recruiting pitch from the portal um, and, and high school? Honestly, it really depends um, how many years they have left. Mm. What's crazy is a lot of schools now are 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 skipping not skipping but they're kind of overlooking the high school slash junior college yeah, route yeah, right yeah. they're like let's just get a kid who's been a year at a, at a program yeah. you know and, and go after that so so i think that pitch changes depending on how many the obviously the less amount of years they have left the more you're hitting that come in yeah. impact play right now others it might be okay yeah come play at the power five level maybe you're at a at a fbs school or, um yeah, at a G5 school that, that you're doing well at, but you want to play at the highest level. So, so it kind of varies, but there's what that does for us is it, it does mean that there's going to be a lot more high school and junior college kids out there to recruit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so, you know, I, I, I was thinking about this the last couple of weeks, and 
I don't I don't know if I would have got to BYU if I if I was coming out now, yeah. and th- and that's because going to a junior so I, you know going to a junior college after my first year I graduated, so I could have I could have left early, but I I had D two and double A schools, so obviously the goal of going D one I was like okay I'm I'm gonna stay, um, and you know obviously I got here, but strategically I'm I'm thinking. Kids don't have to go to junior college no more. Yeah. They could they could take a, a lesser quote unquote lesser uh, you know scholarship, go to a, a G five school, double A AA school, maybe D two school, and that can kind of replace the, the the junior college route. And and so my my question to to you is 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 that more appealing? A, a kid you know coming from or, or not not more appealing, but if you were to give high school kids um, advice, would you say hey? Take the lesser scholarship versus you know going the the JC route to get something bigger. That's tough because there's a there's a lot of variables. I, I'll say this: me personally, I wouldn't lead a kid like I would just give him my experiences. But that those are huge decisions, and I would kind of just I can I'll, I see the value if a mm. kid chooses to do that. Yeah, I'll yeah. say that, but I'll never I'll never push that. And I think but I think it's happening a lot, man. You're gonna have kids who are gonna go to FCS programs. And if they ball out, yep. they're, they're, they're out, gone. Yeah. And I can empathize, man. I was I, I was FCS for seven years. Yeah. That's, that's that's a tough spot to be in. And, and and the thing to me is is like, at least I'm getting some type of of, of financial care and and you know going to the FCS level. And at least I'm getting a, a higher level of competition yeah. versus junior college. I mean, I I feel like I'm I'll be more prepared from a college standpoint, like a culture standpoint, um, living on my own away from my family standpoint. Um, and obviously, you know, junior college, you don't, you don't, there's no scholarship, or at least in Cali, there, there wasn't scholarship. I was working <laughs> and going to school. So to me, I'm thinking, man, this is a nicer life doing this. And I can still showcase my skills only because I know I'm not, I'm not stuck. I'm not handcuffed because of the way college football and the portal is right now. Yeah, exactly. Which is a great point. How, how many years does Laster have? Uh, he has he has two. So he has two. Yep. Yep. And uh, let's talk about Keelan Marion, six foot, two hundred pounder out of UConn. He's got three years of eligibility. I know you're excited about him. What uh, what will we see out of him? Yeah, Keelan um, is a basketball player, and those are some of my favorite guys to recruit. When uh, I, there's a, there's a bunch of different stuff, but if I were to just be very general, high level, like basketball is my favorite sport when it comes to our receivers playing another sport how come just the the you want the, i just seen they there's a higher understanding of spatial awareness yeah. of how to close cushion yeah. attack a guy there's so many moves um that crossover pun intended i guess that crossover <laughs> into uh into football uh just just playing fluid uh there's not a lot of rigid basketball players out there there's a ton in the game of football even at the receiver position yeah so it's hard to it's, it's so i just i just love the ability to evaluate guys on on the basketball court so keelan keelan really excelled growing up he's he's atlanta from atlanta born and raised um and 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 was in the aau basketball scene and so he's he's uh, you can see it in the way he plays he's very agile fluid natural got great hips Good, really good burst. Him, great understanding of of the position and how to play it. Releases, attacking leverage, um, and so I'm I'm really excited for him. He 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 has a little bit of what Puka does when you put the ball in his hands. I think he's just got a natural ability to to make people miss and can can make the big play too. And and he plays with 
it's crazy. He's six foot, um, got real long arms, but he plays like he's six four, six five. Really? Like he goes up and get it. If you watch all any of his highlights, um, he started as a freshman at UConn and he broke his collarbone in his first game the next year. Mm. So he's kind of been really flown under the radar. Like he picked up football late. Um, really high ceiling, and I think he's going to do a great job. Ruthie uh, is asking, uh, any of your receivers have potential that reminds you of Puka? And maybe you just answer that. M- Marion has a little Puka in him. Yeah, yeah. A- a- everyone in kind of in their little way. But, yeah, I, I would definitely say Keelan's got some of that in, in him. So You could always tell as a corner um, who played who played uh, basketball based off of the body position. Yeah. There'd be so many times where I would I would come in and, and close on a route, and I'm like, there's no way this, this – he's not catching this ball. Or, and then I would look, and I'm like, oh, he's throwing this. Oh, okay. But based off of the, the placement of the ball and – the body position of yeah. the receiver, like boxing out, was was always a struggle for me, especially with my size, right? Um, and and receivers that understand or that played basketball, they understand that that positioning yeah. um, and being able to make themselves open, you know, based off of um, you know their 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 body position. My, my question to you is: Are are those kids that play basketball? And maybe uh, started playing football later. Is it more of a development, or do they pick it up almost immediately? I, I think the learning curve is a lot faster because if you think about basketball and how fast paced fast paced it is, there's so many built-in reps they just have naturally, mm. both offensively and defensively, of of that spatial awareness of of closing the cushion. Um, understanding leverage and angles like it's just it's there in the back of their minds and so I, I really truly believe the learning curve is faster when you play basketball at a high level for a long time um, when you turn it into football so really would you it. say that's that's a you know something as far as your your recruiting criteria right that would stand out like hey I, I would love to have a kid that played you know basketball as well yeah yeah I would it's not a make or break but I'll yeah. tell you it it, it Guys can get favored. If, I, if yeah. I have two guys and I'm like, gosh, I'm torn. What was this your one average? plays basketball. I was like, I'm going yeah. with the pooper. Now, you got a tight end that play basketball yeah. with Isaac Rex. Yeah. How does the tight end, and one of our popular questions on the live stream tonight, how does the tight end position factor into your passing game as the passing game coordinator? Uh, you got Steve Clark, who's the tight end coach, but... They're very much a part of, of your game plan, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, tight ends are always going to be a part of uh, a huge part of BYU offense, um, especially I can speak for Coach Roderick under this because we, we talk about it like you have to have them. To me, just like it would be with receivers as well, it kind of varies game by game. Like what these I know we're on the offense and we're in the attack. But if you're playing a defense schematically that does something or personnel wise that says, hey, let's feature, let's like take advantage of our tight ends, then we'll do it. They'll see more. And I think a lot of times because of the history of BYU and tight ends, there's been games or moments or seasons where like people are like, gosh, are we are we using them that much? Right. But then there's games where it's like, holy cow, they're being featured a lot. That's 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 intended, um, and that's what we're going to continue to do moving forward. Is is use our offense according to kind of kind of who we're playing. And him being healthy, which he wasn't all last season, is a game changer for the game plan, isn't it? Yeah, he's 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 such a mismatch because he's great in the receiving game. He's he's an anchor, you know, attached, and so we're when he's healthy and ready to roll. Um, we're, we're so much better. And he was great for us last year, even though he wasn't playing 100%. But even there, he was just a factor in, in, with defenses and, and how to plan against us. It's our pleasure to have BYU passing game coordinator and receivers coach Fessy Sataki on the Wise Guys. Just a couple of more questions, and we're sure glad you carved out some time for us uh, and, and, and for our global audience tonight. Um, 
We mentioned the five, the three returners and the two newcomers, but you've also got Parker Kingston, who's super fast, Dom Henry, who's super fast, Hobbs Nyberg, who's shown his versatility as the punt returner. Who else are we missing that that, that are going to factor into this Big 12 season? Yeah, you named three, and then uh, Talmadge Gunther um, is is someone as well who's just – um, he's done so great for us on special teams, so reliable. Talmadge is like an ex- extension of me. I, I don't say that in a way where it's like that's his role. Like Talmadge has gone so much better since he's been here. But talk about what you're looking for as a coach and a player. He checks it all, and he's an extension of me. He's a great leader in the room. We call him Grandpa. He got two kids. And, um, <laughs> I can't believe he has two years left because I, I, feel I like can't he's believe 20. he's got two kids. Yeah, two years left, two kids. He's like 28. So, <laughs> you know, I, I was always I always made fun of the guys because. As a senior, I was the young, I was one of the youngest on the team. Yeah. As a, as, as, from a st- starting, starting yeah, every right? announcer when they run out of things to say, they talk about how everyone's been on their mission trips and they're 29 years old, <laughs> which is not the case. I'm I'm 21, and it's like 20. <laughs> it's like sophomores that are 23, you yeah. know, juniors that are 23. Some, um, yeah, there's there's, 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 a, there's a lot, but you know, I, I always say this: if it was such a big Advantage, you know why? Why don't other schools do it? And I, I don't really think other schools know, um, you know, the, the the fight and the battle that these kids got to come back to from a mission from taking, you know, yeah. two years off. It's 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 tough. So, um, but when it when it comes to the 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 biggest challenge that you see heading into the Big Twelve with with your with your group, um, and I don't want to, I don't want to say your your guys specifically, right? But just as a receiving core. What do you think some of the, the, the challenges that you guys will, will face? I mean, really, I'm, I'm super excited, like physically being able to go against that competition. Like, I don't, I don't have doubts in that. I just think um, it's going to be managing the, the noise and chaos around this yeah. groundbreaking mm-hmm. season. Like, that's just uh, – we're, we're foolish as coaches if we just try and ignore – what these guys have to face in this digital era, yeah. you know, and there's a lot of noise out there and we have to com- com- uh, combat a lot of things from, from parents, fans, whatever it is. And, and all, a lot of it's just well-intended, but some of these guys aren't, aren't, um, you know, don't know how to handle that. Yeah. And so there's right. a big educational co- component to that as a coach to just, Hey, like you got to look at this, that fine line of looking at this as another game, yeah. making sure they're confident and ready for the battle, but to not get, not worry about, you know, all the, the pressure that, you know, might be uh, a- adding up for that. So that's really the biggest thing is is, is making sure that they're level headed um, going into this this uh, this new era. And if they are, I don't have any doubts. Um, you know, in, in what these guys are are able to do. You guys have um, like strategies or plans around that. And I, I, this this is why I ask this because I had a I had a moment or two going into my senior year where I, f- I put unnecessary pressure on me, literally, for no reason. Um, I didn't know I was doing it at the time, but, um, you know, I, I went and got, you know, counseling from our, our sports, you know, psychiatrist, and, and literally after a couple of sessions with him, you know, I was, I was good. I mean, that weight was, was lifted off of my shoulders. And, and so, you know, I asked that question because, I, 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 you know, I wonder how much coaches can do um, – yeah. And, and because, you know, we see you guys as, as fathers, right? And so there's a certain, you know, it, like point where we don't listen to our parents and there's a certain point we don't listen to <laughs> our coaches. So Bronco didn't even try to sit me down. He just said, okay, I, you got to go talk to this guy, you know? And and so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if, if you face those same challenges or 
is it easier just to send the kid to you know a certain dedicated resource yeah i um and i obviously i don't claim to be um you know professional in that in that field but i'll say this that the more you address those things just as a whole um you have to every single day i I believe in that and so the mantra in our room for example for the receivers is can you be committed to the process without being emotionally attached to the results Mm. and what you're doing is teaching these guys this lesson that these these results um you know based things that media a lot of people are just that are out there naturally that's what's causing a lot of anxiety and, and stress and pressure and so in terms of as far as i can control it i want to hit these things every day that there's a process to everything we're doing and whether that equates to wins or you starting or all this stuff that they're thinking about i'm not saying it's going to heal them but if we're not doing our part as coaches and addressing those things every day that can help alleviate some of that yeah. stress then 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 we're not doing our our job and i feel at that sometimes but I would just say it's a boring answer, but you got to hit it every single day. How hard is it to look a kid in the eye and say, it's not working out for you. You're, you're not going to start here. Um, when it's, it's like you were a football player when you were, it's your hopes and dreams. Yeah. It's the hardest part of a job, man is, is the most rewarding part is giving a kid a scholarship. The hardest part is, is, is taking it away. And, you know, right after that, underneath that is if you don't take it away, just letting them know that, man, you're, it's not in it for you right now. Like the, yeah. the future doesn't look bright. That's tough. But um, I'll say this. My first, first half of my coaching career, I struggle with that. I try to find ways to sugarcoat a harsh reality, and that is not good. It backfires. Yeah. Um, and you don't feel fulfilled as a coach. But being honest, blunt, but in a tactful and loving way truly is like, that's what's helped me. I, I fail in many ways as a father, but I, I look back, I'm so grateful for the opportunity I have to, to be a coach because it allows me to just be real with people, mm. but also to do it in a way that helps you know that, that realness is coming from a place of love that it's right. not, Hey, you suck. If, if I play you, I'm getting fired. Da, da, da. Like that, that adds the very pressure and, and the stuff we're talking about. Yeah. So if I can tell a kid, it's still hard to say, Hey, you're not playing, but let me tell you what you've done. Like to this room, mm. let me tell you how you've changed me. Let me see the good things I've seen. Well, help them understand that they're, they've been a part of this process and not, you know, make them to feel emotionally attached to results. Then, then I feel good about that. And it definitely makes it not as hard. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that would be tough. Yeah. Uh, one last question, and we're going to hit you up with five quick ones and, yeah. and get to know you just a tiny bit. But uh, the, these last couple of years, you've had Zach Wilson thrown to your guys. You've had Jaron Hall thrown to your guys. So now here comes Keaton Slovis. You watched him all through spring. You watch him in workouts. How impressed are you uh, in what he brings to BYU, and what do you expect from him throwing to your guys? Yeah, I've been really impressed with him. Keaton is unapologetically himself he's a great leader he's a natural fit here um you would think he served a mission and grew up in utah and whatever it is just like he's just he's so comfortable in his own skin i i uh i've been really impressed with him his arm he's got an elite arm he's he's uh i think he's gonna do a great job what that leads to honestly my expectations are that he's just gonna be a great leader he's gonna be all bought in he understands the offense he's gonna fight every single game We'll see what that equates to, but I'm super grateful he's our quarterback. Would you say that he's a uh, like his pers- per- his persona personality type fits a BYU guy? Absolutely, yes, absolutely. It's a perfect fit. I, I've all your receivers have told me that, and uh, and I asked him. Uh, I said, "Hey, what?" He goes, "I just feel like I've been here forever." I go, mm-hmm. "Why? Why do you feel that way?" And he goes. You know, these are all my friends. I, I didn't even know him a week ago when we talked to him when he just got in. He goes, now they're my friends. I'm going to church with this guy. I'm going to a movie with this guy. And and, and, and 
for a kid who was at USC and in that culture and then at Pittsburgh and that culture on the other side of the country to come here and uh, and just it's almost like he was made for this moment. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And you, you appreciate those guys because now add Keaton to the list of guys who we can who we can use as a reference point in recruiting, guys mm-hmm. who, who maybe question, like, how is it if I'm from a different state or I'm not LDS or he's been uh, other places. He's seen a lot of head yeah. coaches. He's seen yeah. a lot of different offenses, a lot of different teammates. And what a blessing it is for us to have him to be all in. When he says those things, you can feel it. he's genuine. Yeah. He like loves being here and he's loving his experience so far. And so I'm just I'm grateful that he that he does just that because we're gonna we're gonna need it. Look, you put him in the NFL. That's three straight quarterbacks. It's gonna get crazy around here because <laughs> who who wouldn't want to be here? Because that's the portal they want to be in, right? Get yeah. me a job. And uh, it's just exciting. Fessy Sataki is here with us. We're going to finish up with five quick questions. These are just, uh, we've asked everyone on the staff. They're, they're rapid fire. You don't need to think too much about them. Got it. Uh, but it's going to reveal a whole lot about you. Like, like Family Feud, five seconds or something like that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> if you go, yeah, buzzer will sound if you get past five All right. seconds. All right, Brian, start us off. Favorite sports movie? Ooh. Um... I'm going to go with uh, Coach Carter. Coach Ooh. Carter. That's our second Coach nice. Carter in a year. Oh, really? Who's that? We coach? just had, we had, uh, <laughs> who did we have? Oh, Gennaro. I think Gennaro said Gennaro's Coach Carter. That makes sense. Oh, if it was Gen- let me change my answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Favorite singer or band? Ooh. That's a good one. It changes, but I'm going to say, uh, can I give two answers? Yeah. Early, like young, growing up. I got because I got to go different genres, boys to men all day. Nice. Uh, when I want to get in my feelings, I listen to them. <laughs> and then uh, right now, um, Morgan Wallen actually hits hard on my playlist. I'm very uh, musically diversified. I take pride in that. Yeah. Um, That's all right. More. I can listen to any music except if it's extreme in any way. So, you know, heavy metal and honky tonk. And I love country, but not honky tonk. Right. I love like, a big classic difference. rock and alternative, but I hate the heavy, like heavy. Keith Urban yeah. plays is a country guy who plays rock. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he's not honky tonk yeah. like uh, some of those others, but yeah. you're right. Okay. All right. Favorite breakfast cereal? Um, oh, man. People are going <laughs> to kill me for this No, one. they're not. Because I just... hated it growing up. <laughs> man, I love me some Raisin Bran. Raisin <gasps> Bran. Yeah, I know. I know. If you want a sweet, whatever, cute, it's O's. Grandmos, you know, the yellow box, the ones that like shred your yeah. gums. Th- those are right up there with me. But I'm just okay. going to say Raisin Bran yep. to be different. Stick with your guns. Raisin <laughs> Bran. Because I'm open to change. I'm promoting, you know, <laughs> well, evolution. Right. Coach, coach. There's nothing wrong I, with I, Raisin Bran. I'm just saying, they, and they know it. You know, we don't judge. We just pray. I'm judging you right now. I'm, just, I'm judging you. For we'll that, pray for, for me. <laughs> I will. I will. I'll put you in my top five prayer list tonight. All right. Here we go with the uh, favorite Kalani Sataki childhood memory. Oh, um. Okay, I'm going to get super uh, kind of sentimental here. Uh, when my mom died at the wake, um, I, don't, I don't remember a lot about the funeral. It was a blur to me. Yeah. I do remember very distinctly, and uh, still to this day it hits me, staring at her casket. And all I remember about the whole event was his arm around me, me and him standing together, looking at my mom, and him telling me, I love you, bro. Everything's going to be okay. And, mm-hmm. and that's that's like just forever ingrained in my head. So, um, yeah, that's what first popped up. 
See that Trump's raisin bran uh, and boys to man. That's, I feel that's bad. Yeah, you feel bad. Yeah, I feel bad. Yeah. I'm convicted now for judging. Yeah, I answered <laughs> like that on purpose to help film. You know, you see how you brought this volume down too. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Uh, favorite game on the schedule. You've said you you really only know the first three, uh, but we're playing twelve. Ten of them are P5s for the first time ever. Yeah. Uh, Big 12 for the first time ever. AP5 for the first time ever. Um, if not one game, what what about this opportunity? Yeah, my my favorite game I look forward to the most is Sam Houston. I just want to <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. So <laughs> I was going to flip it and have you guys guess which one. But <laughs> I, I, I just, I'm just grateful. Like I'm just excited. You, you, when you look at last year, or really since we've been independent, kind of the elephant in the room was when you lose a game, mm-hmm. like whether you're – 11 and 2 or whether you're 8 and 5 you're going to play the same bowl game. Yep. Yep. And uh and that's just, you know, you you, you can that's it's just out there. And so mm-hmm. just the opportunity to like every week address like, "Hey, here's where we're at." Yeah. Like we still got a chance. You look last year at college football at all the conference championship games, those who won it or were in it, there's a ton of 9 and 3s, yeah. a couple 8 and 4s and it's like so it's 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 just a, a great opportunity and and you know, I, I'm just excited for that. It's a, it's a new season every week. Yeah, right? exactly. It's yep. interesting that TCU went to the championship game, but Kansas State won the league. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To right. illustrate yeah. your point, exactly. It's, it's there's a lot of there's a lot of balls in play, and that yep. that's exciting. Uh, do you have a date on when camp's going to start? It's first um, week in August. Uh, August first, I believe. August yep. one. Yep. yep. We check in the last day of July, uh, and I think the first official day is August one. Last day of July, I gotta write that down because that's when I can come get gear. There you go. <laughs> there you it's go. all about gear, isn't it? Uh, Fessy Sataki with yeah. us. Thank you so much for being here. Of course, pleasure was mine. A podcast will be up tomorrow. I'll send it to you. Um, our live stream are all around the place. Uh, people are excited that you were coming because they're yeah. they're invested in the receivers and um, to lose Puka and Gunner, uh, even though they were never healthy on the same night. I don't <laughs> think in the same game. But the, these big boys you have coming at 6'4", 6'4", 6'3", and then a 6'0", and a 5'10", with speed, and, and the others in the room, and then your 6'5", tight end, who's back healthy for the first time. It just seems like you've got so many options. I don't know how you're going to pick a starting group, but does it matter because is the next group coming in on the next play? Yeah, exactly. I don't know how I am either. So once again, pray for me. We'll see how it works out. But uh, I always appreciate all the support. I love all of Cougar Nation. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for the season. All right, Fessy, thank you. The great Fessy Sataki. And again, you can see uh, that deep blue on Fessy and Kalani's relationship uh, on the BYU TV app. It's free. And it's uh, it, it it it's it's one it's eight great minutes that uh, will change your life. Um, Fessy Sataki, uh, receiver coach, passing game coordinator, and he gave us a lot of time tonight. And I think that's awesome. I think we got to the bottom of Man, it. It's, 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 he loves his crew. Yeah, it's a, it's a that's a good. I'm happy. I'm happy and blessed to be a part of this. Thanks, Uncle B, for not <laughs> not being here. Um, you know, to experience this and, and ask the questions. I think. You know, with with the newcomers, with with some of the uh, you know emotional um, you know kind of drama with with Cody, and and also you know with with Puka leaving, but but also seeing some of the the bright spots and the, the flashes of, of greatness with all the players that we talked about. I think there's a, a lot of questions us as fans and analysts that we have, and for him, for him to 
um, you know, answer it directly. And we hear, you know, straight from, you know, his mouth. Um, I think that's why I got a lot of hype and I, I got a lot of, uh, a lot of reaction. I mean, I've been reading the comments. Um, How about Richard from Panama? Uh, thank you for joining us as we are, we're expanding. It's not just the big 12 wise guys is expanding its borders. Yeah. And uh, folks from, from everywhere listening to Fessy Sataki. Next week, Harvey Unga. Got to watch that. Harvey yeah. Unga. We've got as many new faces in the running back room as Fessy had with the receiver room. I, t- I totally forgot. About, I t- man, you're right. I forgot about that. Harvey's next week. June 27th, Sherry Dew, the executive vice president of Deseret Management Corporation, the CEO of Deseret Book, world's largest BYU fan. Uh, is going to be with us. And we're working on Tom Homo, athletic director, to join us that night as well as we uh, march towards July and ever so closer to the Big 12 for BYU football. And, of course, that July 1. There was a question that came across earlier. Yes, on July 1, we're live on BYU TV um, as that announcement uh, is celebrated uh, with BYU. It's going to be a giant fan fest uh, in the on the fields behind the student athletic building uh, in the afternoon on um, July 1st. And we'll be live from 3 to 5 Mountain Time on BYU TV, our whole game day crew. And, and we're going to it's going to be one great day culminated with our journey concert over at the Stadium of Fire. Uh, what a what an awesome July! Do we get first. tickets to the Stadium of Fire too? Can, uh, I, can, no. I get, can I get in with you? No, you can't get in with me. But what if I can I carry a suit? But you'll be able to see the fireworks from where you're at. <laughs> can, I, can I can I carry your briefcase? I'm working that night. I'm working there. I'm going to go over uh, no, there. I'm going to be gonna like be, this is my uncle. I can it's going to be awesome. <laughs> uh, we were going to ask Fessy, uh, but we didn't because we had him on for so long. Um, Top five receivers of all time at BYU. Think about that on our live stream. Uh, the top five receivers of all time. I put a list together, and, uh, and you can see if you agree. And, and there's, a, there's a handful of them that um, could all fight to be in this top five. But number five, I went with Glenn Kozlowski. Uh, t- over 2,200 receiving yards and 23 touchdowns. Number four, Margin Hooks. 2,800 yards, 14 touchdowns. Number three, Eric Drage. Tie through to him a lot. He had 3,065 yards, 29 touchdowns. And then we get to the top two. Cody Hoffman at number two. Uh, he's the all-time leader at BYU with 33 touchdown receptions, had over 3,600 yards. He caught passes from like five different quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. Lefties, yeah. righties. But, uh, but we have number one on our list, Austin Colley, uh, 3,200 yards plus 30 touchdowns, just three seasons, went on to play in the NFL. Uh, he's been on the show, and, and uh, I think, and then you can throw Phil Odell in there somewhere, uh, I think Austin Colley is probably the, the number one. What do you think? This is, this is tough because there's a couple of different um, criteria that you can use, right? You can just go off of stats. Um, you can go off of, you know, situations and circumstances, or what, what I like to, to go off of is just sheer impact. Yeah. Right. Um, cause there's guys that may not have the stats, but they make a bigger impact or they've had bigger plays that they've made in bigger games that, you know, produce overall, you know, biggest, you know, bigger in- impacts. And I think that's, that's where Austin is with me. Yeah. Um, just a, a, a guy that, you knew when you step when you stepped on the field, kind of like Puka, kind of like a Kyle Van Noy's like impact player, 
Um, and, and, and then obviously he has the, the stats to back it up. Cody, Cody is interesting to me, that, and, and I have an argument for him being number one because of what you said, yeah. the, the, the different quarterbacks, right, that he's, that he's played. And I, he just caught touchdowns. And he caught a lot of other things too. It, it's, it's, it's like he never it, – it's like it never impacted him at all. Whereas with, with Austin, you know, he had the same quarterback and, you know, one of the, 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 the best quarterbacks of, in BYU history at that. Right. So you, you kind of think as a player, well, was Austin great because of Max or was Max great, cause, you know, or was it a, a combination? Whereas Cody is like, I'm going to be great regardless. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, and, that's and, a tough one too right there. And, and, and I would also say too, um, you know, Cody, Cody his last couple years – um, went to the, into the independent schedule, so a little bit more. Yeah. I, I don't want to say tough on, on on paper. Better competition. Right? I want to say you better say competition. That. Better competition. Well, well, I want to see. You know, I would I would like to see the the, the P five. That's what we always. Yeah. You know, in, in the argument. Sure. But but as of now, on 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 paper, on the surface, I would I would say that would give Cody a slight edge as well as the, the better competition. Yeah, I I think I could go either way on those two. Collie was so good at the next level as well. Um, but both were dynamic receivers in very different times. Speaking of dynamic receivers, Pukunakua is making some headlines with the Rams. Uh, and, uh, and, and there's some pretty cool quotes we, we chatted down we want to talk about. Yeah, Sean McVay um, said he's a guy that we were expecting to come in and contribute and to compete. Um, every spot has to be earned, but I really like what he's done. Yeah. Um, you know, for when, when a coach says that, says... I expect a guy to come in and, and compete, you know, translation to me is I, I expect him um, to push guys to be a starter. Yeah. Right? To get him on uh, the field. To, to get him on the field. And yeah, maybe not a starter, but um, to get on the field and, and, and to get playing time. And then uh, Cooper Cup said uh, he's pretty special. I think if he can stay on, on a good trajectory. Stay healthy. But yeah, stay healthy, right? Stay focused. Come in and, 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 uh, and uh, be consistent, I would say. Um, he, he continues to say he's he's going to be a very good football player in this league. I love the way he attacks each day, and, and we all know Puka that he the the love and the passion that he has for the game, but more so as being a competitor. Yeah. And I see. I, I think that those words of he attacks every day, um, you know, brings memories to us as as BYU fans, especially you know that Boise yeah. State game, yeah. right? Going in and attack. You know, Cooper Cup saying he, he goes in and attacks each day. You know, that's how he attacks the ball as well when it's in the air. That's what I, I like when, when he said that quote, I love the way he attacks each day. Cooper Cup's getting to know Pukunuka. Right. <laughs> and uh, the preseason opener is August 12th against the Chargers, 7 p.m. on the NFL Network. Bullseye writes in below and says uh, Kozlowski was his guy who also wore number seven. You wore number seven. I put him. I'd put him. We have him, him at five, favorite. but when you're talking about a baller, and he's been on this show too. Uh, he'll catch anything. He moved up one in my list just for the number. <laughs> <laughs> He's on my list because of that one-handed, one-legged touchdown he caught against Michigan in the back of the end zone in the Holiday Bowl in 1984. Big 12 expansion news, not much. Everyone's watching what the Pac-12 media deal is. A lot of noise, still nothing concrete. Some people are saying we're going to have it by the end of the month, which they've now said for 11 months. But maybe this is the month, and the Big 12 has reportedly given a June 30th deadline for schools considering a move. So we are moving toward, you know, July 1 is such a big day on the calendar for a lot of things. Yeah. That's when BYU is joining the Big 12. That's when um, 
uh, Houston and Cincinnati and Central Florida. It's July 1. Uh, next July, USC, UCLA, and join the Big Ten. Um, and so here comes this. Well, it seems to me there's some teeth to a June 30th deadline. Are you in or are you out? Yeah, I think. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I think this is specifically towards the schools that Colorado, Arizona, are, are, yeah, uh, San Diego State, mm-hmm. maybe. Yep, yep. Schools that, that right. have been uh, in discussions behind the scenes. I mean, we know who's been in discussions, right? Right. Unofficially. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's where it, what it, what it what it comes down to is is pushing those schools. Sure. Uh, the Big Ten rolled out their 2024 conference game schedule, home and away. Uh, no dates, but. Uh, I thought it was interesting because UCLA and USC are in the league there for that season. So in the first year of USC in the Big Ten, they're at Michigan, at Penn State, and they have Iowa and Wisconsin coming to the Coliseum. And then UCLA, they've got Ohio State coming to the Rose Bowl, uh, Nebraska at the Rose Bowl, and then they go to Michigan and go to Iowa. You know what? Those are all games I want to watch. Oh, yeah. I know it's a lot of miles and all that stuff, and USC screwed up the whole <laughs> landscape of college football, but they're playing games I want to see in the regular season. I want to watch all four of those. I think this is where, where the, the money is, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we talked about the Big 12's non-conference schedule earlier in the show, and what was the number one ranked? It's Texas and Alabama, right? Right. Um, and when you have these brand name schools, I mean, it goes back to the bowl games, right? The, a lot of the bowl games are the most watched. Obviously, the, the the conference championships are too. But you know, when you can have these brand uh, school brand name schools that are historic brands as well, and 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 you know, have these uh, historic venues, and you get to see them play, it's it's rare. So it's like, oh, this is good, right? But if you can start to see this more and more and more, you have fans, just college football fans, right? Like, we have no investment in this. Right. We, we don't care. But, we're just viewers. But we're college football fans. I, this will make me go and watch games that are outside of my vested interest, which is BYU and the Big 12. Yeah, for sure. Track and field, let's give you an update from the NCAA championships. The BYU men take 10th place, just behind Georgia, Alabama, and Washington. Florida finishes first. Texas Tech was the only Big 12 school to finish ahead of BYU at number six. Shout out to Kenneth Rooks, won the national championship in the steeplechase with the win. BYU becomes the first Division I program in history with a champion in women's steeplechase. Courtney Wayman from last year. She was on this show last summer. And men's steeplechase champion Kenneth Rooks in back-to-back seasons. No one's ever done that at no. this level. Uh, six Cougars are in first team All-America honors. Rooks. Dallin Schertz in the discus, Casey Klinger in the 5,000 and 10,000 meter runs, Caleb Witzkin in the high jump, Ben Barton in the decathlon. And before we get to the women, today the BYU men's program was named the 2022-2023 John McDonnell NCAA Division I Men's Program of the Year. Nice. The award given to the season's most outstanding track and field cross-country programs. Texas won it last year. BYU wins it this year. Coach Ed Eyestone calls it, quote, a great day for BYU track and field and cross country. We send our congratulations. Now for the women. Yeah, so the, the women tied for 17th place um, with West Virginia. Four Cougars earned first-team All-American status. Claire Seymour and Megan Hunter in the 800-meter runs. Uh, Lexi uh, holiday Laurie in the 3,000-meter uh, steeplechase. And Sierra Tidwell-Alvin in the high jump. Um, track and field, I think 
we can say they're they're probably most big 12 ready. They right? are big 12 ready. Yeah. Soccer's big 12 ready. Women's volleyball's big 12 yeah, ready. Uh, yeah, you know what? Keep, yeah, you can keep going, actually. After you <laughs> talk to Fessy tonight, I feel like BYU football's big 12 yeah. ready. Yeah. Basketball's working on it, so is baseball. But um, a good year, another solid year for the men's and women's track and field and cross-country teams. And now they have closed the book. It's all big 12. Yeah. Moving forward. Speaking of closing the book, the Cougars wrapped up their final year of competition in the West Coast Conference by winning the Commissioner's Cup for the 10th straight year. And this is based on how each school performed during the conference competition. LMU was second, Gonzaga finished third. You can't do it all in basketball. You got to do other sports as right. well. But 10th straight year, the BYU, they leave the West Coast Conference having dominated the West Coast Conference in the Commissioner's Cup. There are sports where, you know, hey, Gonzaga still dominates basketball. We salute them. But BYU came into that conference and and won the cup 10 years in a row, and now they're out. I, I think it's a, a testament to, to Tom um, and and just the, the athletic programs that, that BYU establishes, um, the support, the resources that, that, that Tom puts into to that, the athletic program. Um, the coaches that he hires. I mean, I can I can go on and on and on. And I I saw him last game. One one of the games. Uh, I think it was the last home game last year. And I, I during our our pregame show it was a commercial. And I went up to him and I gave him a hug. And I said, Tom, I'm really proud of you. And he kind of you know started getting a little teary eyed and uh, gave me a big hug. And and I don't I don't think we appreciate the the work that he puts in and. Um, the, the the dedication that he has yeah. to to making not just football great but you know all these 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 sports great and and I think this is a testament of, of his work. Women's hoops news: Josh Edwards is the director of player development. This is a promotion for him. He was the director of video and strategy, which he did last season. So Josh is moving up. Big Twelve softball, by the way, Oklahoma. We congratulate the Sooners. They win their third straight national title. They finished the season 61-1 and and on a 53-game winning streak. The good news is BYU is going to get a crack at OU next year uh, in their one and only year together in the Big 12 playing softball. I'm, I'm excited. You want that game. I'm you excited want that about game. That. I, so um, my second favorite sport to watch is softball. Yeah. And um, every time I turn them on uh, in, in the postseason, I was, I was entertained. Um, just that it's got a it's got a pace to it that's quick, and uh, it's tough to hit that ball. Well, you know, so specifically with with Oklahoma, I mean, um, there is ne- there is never a dull moment. Um, I think there was a couple grand slams that I saw, and um, man, it, it's it's going to be exciting. I think for 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 us as fans to watch Oklahoma and and, and the quality of of, of athletes and, and the program that they have. It may not feel good for us. When <laughs> it might not <laughs> feel good at the end. At the you know at the end. The but end we're result. gonna we're gonna watch. But but I think but I think for for an athlete, it's a great opportunity to play the the best of the best, right? Yeah, and absolutely. BYU will, will get that opportunity. Baseball news: The National Collegiate Baseball Writers Association named BYU's Austin Deming the District Eight Player of the Year. He joins former BYU All-American Brandon Taylor from back in 2005 as the second Cougar to be named District Player of the Year in the 25-year history of the award. And Deming today also named the ABCA Rawlings NCAA Division I All-West Region second team. The honors keep coming in for that third baseman who's 
got a professional career ahead of him. Women's volleyball non-conference schedule. Those games popped up, and we, we thought we'd mention real quickly the games of interest. Yes, um, against Pittsburgh, August 25th, season op- opener in uh, Missoula, Montana. Uh, August 30th, LMU, home opener. Um, and against the WCC foe. Yeah. It's not a conference game this year. Right, that, that's... There, there's a, some history there, which is fun. And then I think the biggest game that I'm looking for is uh, uh, September 13th against Utah. Obviously. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a match right there. A, a, anytime we play Utah in any sport, you know, I, I get up for that. And then uh, September 15th, Utah Valley. September 16th, uh, you know, following the, the next day, Utah State. That's and, like a beehive sweep. Th- Utes, yeah. Wolverines, and Aggies over a three-day period. I wonder if all three of them play each other like that. That'd be, that'd be interesting. Um, and then September 20th, um, against Houston, which is the Big 12 opener. That's volleyball for non-conference, some of the games of interest. And BYU TV News, Studio C has renewed for seasons 17 and 18. The entire original cast going to return to kickoff season 18 next spring and celebrate the 200th episode. You know, that's everybody. And uh, I believe that that brings in... Uh, uh, Sterling from the soccer skit, which I think is the most popular <laughs> one. Stuart Sterling, I believe that's that's how that goes. Uh, you can watch your favorite episodes of uh, Studio C on the free BYU TV app and BYUtv.org and across social media. But uh, the show's been renewed for the next season 17 and 18, so we congratulate the cast and, and everybody involved with that. Let's roll out of here with On This Day in History, June 13th. There are a lot of interesting things that happened. In 1837, the first Latter-day Saint missionaries leave Kirkland, Ohio for the British Isles. And what an impact that had on the history of the church. And then we go to 1920. The U.S. Post Office says children cannot be sent by partial. (laughs) How is that even a problem? Why did they have to come out and say children cannot be sent by parcel post? Through the post office. <laughs> well, they did on this day in 1920. They said, that's it. No more kids <laughs> no more. coming through the post office. I just think about my, my boys. You know. <laughs> 1937, <laughs> Joe DiMaggio hits three consecutive home runs against the St. Louis Browns. 1948, Babe Ruth's final farewell at Yankee Stadium um, and uh, passed away two months later. 1970, on this day, the Beatles song Let It Be hits number one. 1973, Steve Garvey, Davey Lopez, Ropes, Ron, Lopes. Lopes. Oh, Lopes. Man, these are all Dodgers. Ron, Ron Say. Ron Say, Bill Russell, play together for the first time with the Dodgers and go on to set the record for staying together as an infield for eight and a half years. Think about that. That doesn't happen at all. Eight and a half years, the same infield. You know, when I was first. Free agency today wouldn't let any of that happen. When I was first reading this, I thought these were singers. <laughs> <laughs> Bilo, you're from California. You should know the I'm Dodgers. A Gi- I'm a Giants fan. Okay. All right. Bay Area. 1989, License to Kill. Timothy Dalton premieres as James Bond. That uh, was in London. I, I didn't mind that. I didn't mind him as James Bond. He didn't last very long. I grew up a uh, uh, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Fan. Yeah. For, uh, for, Roger for, Moore, I think, was our guy George, before yeah. him. Um, 2000, Samuel L. Jackson receives a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And 2018, a raccoon climbs 20, a 23-story building in St. Paul, Minnesota, and becomes an internet sensation. <laughs> Got a raccoon going up 23 stories. How does how do you, you know? You want to keep them out of your attic. They've been in Blaine's attic lately, and that's not good. <laughs> but 23 stories up, and then of course, 
it's social media. So now yeah. it's like uh, they probably named him Rocky Raccoon <laughs> after the Beatles. Also on this day in 2023, it looks like we're just a few minutes away from the Vegas Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup as they lead 4-1. to one. Thanks, John, for the updates throughout the show. Uh, they win tonight. They win the Cup. And uh, with a 4-1 to one lead, they're going to take that Cup. And that's huge for Las Vegas. I spent 20 years there. I was going to say congratulations. It's, it's big for Las Vegas because the, the franchise was born in Las Vegas, mm. and it finally gives the city something to cheer about that's got nothing to do with a casino yeah. or a big weekend. It is, it is their team, and their team is the best in the world as long as they finish it off here tonight. And it looks like they will with the Vegas Golden Knights. So that's awesome. June 13th, birthdays. Uh, 1780, Martha Washington, U.S. First Lady. Yep, George's wife. Yep. Uh, 1903, Red Grange, the galloping ghost for Illinois. He was born in 1903. 1932, Bob McGrath, Sesame Street. We all remember Bob from Sesame Street. I don't. You don't? Mm-mm. That's where I learned the alphabet. <laughs> Anyway, he oh, was Bar- fantastic. He's always singing with, uh, you know, Grover and um, Big Bird and, and Oscar the Grouch. Barney taught me my ABCs. Bob also sang, who are the people in your neighborhood? You know, oh, okay, okay. I know. The people yeah. in your neighborhood. Yeah, 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 They're yeah. the people that you meet mm-hmm. while you're walking down the street. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So 1951, Richard Thomas was born. John Boy from Walton's. I don't know who that is. The Walton's the show. Mm-mm. Anyway. <laughs> 1953, Tim Allen. Tell me you've heard of Tim Allen. Of course, yeah, Buzz. Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear. You know and, what? Santa Claus. He played a great Santa Claus yeah, in yeah, that whole series. Yeah. Uh, 1981 on this day, Chris Evans, Captain America, was born. Uh, 1986, Ashley and Mary-Kate Olsen. I, you know, they were like sisters to me growing up on Full House. So Full I, House. I, I, so I you, were, you were those guys. Yeah I, was, yeah, right. yeah. I was born in 88, so, you know. I do see them. Those are my TV sisters. <laughs> Our wise guys inspirational quote of the week. We went with Red Grange, um, the galloping ghost. He said, quote, I played football the only way I knew. If you have the football and 11 guys are after you, if you're smart, you'll run. It was no big deal. He was running for his life, and he was running to the end zone for the fighting Illini of Illinois. Love that. Very simple, right? Yeah, when you had big guys chasing you, you ran, right? Yeah. You yeah, didn't just absolutely. stay there and go, you know, yeah. bring it on. No. Us us guys who've been deprived of height, we're out of there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, you got to make it up in some other way, which is your speed, right? And hey. uh, having your head on a swivel. Our special thanks to... Uh, Glenn, we're giving you a shout-out for joining the show from the Philippines. Thank you for being with us. So the Philippines and Panama represented tonight. The podcast will be up in the morning, uh, Glenn, and you can also have this show be waiting for you at wiseguys.com. We thank Fessy Sataki, the uh, passing game coordinator and uh, receivers coach, an extraordinaire for BYU. So fortunate to have him on the staff. And I thought he was awesome in kind of taking us into – his world, rebuilding the receiver room, getting it Big 12 ready. You know what? I, I, I came away so much more confident when it comes to BYU and the NIL. And I, I understand the world of getting a BYU guy and, and what that means. And, and, and now that, you know, they've put that into the, the criteria of, hey, you know, if you want a big deal, that's not us, right? If you want to party if you want to you know drink and smoke and do all these things that's we're not the place for you and that's fine because there are kids that are talented that want to come here and they see 
BYU as an opportunity to develop and, and hit, hit their goals like a, like a Keaton Slovis, like you said. There are enough kids in college football uh, for BYU to get good players. Absolutely. Um, and uh, it's a challenge for sure. But being in the Big 12 is certainly going to help things. And, and uh, Aaron Roderick's offense is what brought Keaton Slovis here because that offense put Jaron Hall and Zach Wilson into the NFL. Slovis yeah. wants to go to the NFL. Yeah. He's smart. Yeah. I, I got an opportunity. You need a quarterback. You just, where'd the other two go? Uh-huh. I'm all in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I thought Fessy had a lot of great things to say about his quarterback, too. Uh, today. Uh, check out my new article in the Deseret News. I got two of them in there. Zach Wilson and I don't have a lot in common, but we both have moments at Neyland Stadium in Tennessee that shaped our futures. You can find that at Deseret.com or on my Twitter page at Dave McCann TV. I also had a story come out today um, ranking the top eight football influencers at BYU mm. who were undergraduates, okay. who graduated from BYU. And uh, it went from, um, let me just go off memory here, and you can find the article at Deseret.com. These are guys who graduated from BYU and have made a mark on the game, not just at BYU, but on the game. And uh, Jamal Williams was number eight, Mm -hmm. 17 rushing touchdowns last year, most in the NFL. That's more than any BYU player's ever done in Mm -hmm. a single season run of the football. Uh, Number seven was um, Taysom. Oh, yeah. uh, Taysom was, uh, is the first player in NFL history to have 10 career touchdown passes, touchdown runs, and touchdown receptions. Uh, that, that's an impact. And he's changed the game. Every general manager in football is looking yeah. for a Taysom Hill. Yeah. Uh, Fred was number seven, Fred Warner. Mm-hmm. Uh, that $95 million contract he signed uh, a couple of years ago made him the, the highest paid linebacker in the history of the game. He's number three now. This is good. But he has reinforced uh, how you play football. You Mm -hmm. blitz the quarterback, and and he can defend in the secondary. Um, Yep, absolutely. And then we got in. Brian Billick was number, I want to say number four or number six. No, number five. Billick was number five, won a first BYU grad to win a Super Bowl as Mm -hmm. head coach. Uh, And then number four was Kyle Whittingham. Mm. Uh, what he's done at University of Utah. Is that tough for you? Uh, he, no, nah, because <laughs> he, he took his BYU to two of his two degrees and he put them to work. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he first built the defense at Utah, which other people follow. And then the, when the offense caught up, he's won a bunch of games, got them into the Big 12 and in the transition, got a couple of Rose Bowls. Yeah. He's a BYU guy, yeah. but that's what he's done. And, um, and he's had an impact on the game. And, uh, and then I went Steve Young. Yep. A Super Bowl MVP, uh, philanthropist, venture capitalist, awesome guy. And then uh, number two, Mike Leach. Mm. Graduated from BYU, didn't play football at BYU. But the reason I put him number two was the influence he had on the game. He came up with the air raid offense, and and he ran it at Washington State, Mississippi State, and Texas Tech. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily in that order. But while he was in his run, all of college football changed. The natural powers that ran the football, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Texas, Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, they all went to the spread. And now it's, uh, hey, we need a quarterback. We're going to get rid of the football. They all went to a variation of the air raid offense, which was an influence of him as a BYU grad who impacted the game. And then number one, who's number one? Andy Reid. I know you're about to say Andy Reid. He's won two Super Bowls. He's one win away from tying Tom Landry number four all time in career wins. He's got the most, uh, I think he's second in 
in NFL history with 22 playoff wins, 10 conference titles. Um, didn't play much at BYU. Soaked mm. it in, learned the offense, studied Doug Scoville and Jim McMahon and Mark Wilson and Steve Young. He was a grad assistant at BYU, a disciple of Lovell Edwards. Yep. But, man, has he changed the game. Yeah. Everyone uh, wants to run the Chiefs offense. Yep. And he ran the Chiefs offense before he had Mahomes. Remember, he right. ran it with Alex Smith mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and ran it before him. And, and, um, but, but he's the master of everyone wants to be like, uh, like Andy Reid. I think everybody wants to get a, a Patrick Mahomes now as yeah, well and, yeah. and, and pair the two, you know, the, the player with that philosophy or the, the methodology and, and creative the, ways to score points. Mm-hmm, and, uh, and I would be stunned if the Chiefs don't go back to the Super Bowl again this year. Right. Barring injury. Right from from key players, I, I think they're they're right. But there's like there's 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 momentum when when it comes to dynasties, right? In, in all sports, yeah. Um, Free agency really gets in the way now. It it, it does. It, it, but you know, the the true dynasties that are when the players they they understand that right it, within the organizations, and they say, you know, I'm okay with taking a pay cut. I'm okay with sacrificing because. I see the vision and I see we can build something really great here. And I, I, I hope that the players on that, on that roster understand that, Hey, this, this window and this, this time that we have to, to ride this momentum for us to be considered a true dynasty, you know, is right now. Think about the winningest coaches uh, in that top five. <clears throat> Number one's Belichick always been with the Patriots. Yep. Uh, you look at, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Tom Landry, Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy Reid, Eagles and Chiefs, that's it. And um, their program is in place. Players come, players go. The philosophy wins yeah. games. Or rebuilds faster than, than um, otherwise. Because yeah. you lose guys. You lose Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. You know, the Patriots in the middle of a rebuild. Why wouldn't they rebuild? They've done yeah. it before. Mm-hmm. But they got the same guy to do it. And uh, the Cowboys were never really the same when Tom Landry was done. Yep. Uh, Jimmy Johnson had a little spark there. Mm-hmm. And now they, you know, now think, they're all over the about, place. I mean, I think about, you know, guys like, like uh, Phil Jackson with the, with the Bulls, yeah. right? And look what he did with the Lakers, right? right? Um, so you're Pat right. Riley was in there for yeah. a long time with his teams. The, the, the flash in the pan guys um, come and go with mm-hmm. the quarterbacks and the coordinators. Lavelle Edwards... Joe Paterno, Bobby yeah. Bowden, John Robinson, some of the classic winners, uh, you know, in college football are there forever because yeah. it's they're running their ship. Yeah, and their ship sails into good waters. That's that, you know they because you know what it is they're they're building an actual program. Yeah, you know, and that that, that happens at every level, right? Um, so yeah, when when a program is built, culture is established, and it's easy to to bring guys into that culture. And have him have him come at, come have him come in come out and still have that same success. Bilo, it's great to have you here. Next time I get Blaine back out of town, <laughs> please call me. You're this first is, on is, the list. This is fun. We'll all be back together July first. Yep. The game day crew as we celebrate BYU's invitation to join the Big Twelve. Two hours of coverage on BYU TV at three o'clock Mountain Time on Saturday. July 1st. For Brian Logan, I'm Dave McCann. For Blaine Fowler and all our crew, the podcast is up tomorrow. Share it with your friends. Please go to YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. It's free. Ring the bell or or click on the bell. Then you'll get updates. And go to ysguys.com. You can get our weekly email. Get highlights from the show. Next week, 
Harvey Unga as we march ever so closer to kickoff against Ham Houston. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for watching The Wise Guys.